welcome to the GCW Plants Podcast, episode 46. John Wolf, how are you doing tonight, John? Doing fantastic. Okay, so this is one of the premier shows for GCW for the year, this Jersey J Cup. So I'm super excited because this was fantastic. You know, I'm sure you agree with me here, man. This is amazing. It was a fun night of rest. A long night. I actually had a I had to break it off into two parts myself, but uh it was a very fun night of the J Cup action. Great talents, uh, stories that were being told during the matches and throughout the tournament was amazing to see. The production was awesome. The crowd was hot. I mm-hmm. enjoyed every single bit of this uh, Jersey J Cup. Yeah, my my thoughts on this were, you know, the Cup special. The Jersey Cup belt is back after a nine-year hiatus. This was really a showcase of GCW and JCW talent. Janela was quoted as saying, this is going to be the best of the best of independent wrestling. I personally put it right up there with Bola 2023. Basically, when it's all said and done, um, the Jersey J Cup will be annual, I'm hoping, and I would like to see it really expand. GCW really is the destination for a lot of independent wrestlers, and I think the J Cup would be a fantastic showcase of this talent from across the world. I think that this tournament really does show tremendous promise. Yes, I would actually like to see it be a uh, yearly one as well, just like Bola. Yeah. I watched both Bola this year and the Jersey J-Cup, and I think the J-Cup was kind of blew Bola out of the water. Not to like kind of wow. <laughs> crap on Bola, but I, no, I, found, no. I found myself more invested in this one than Bola. just felt like... There was, once they did bring back the title, as you said, that title looks gorgeous, by the way. It wasn't just Mm -hmm. the cup, but um, it wasn't just the Jersey Cup, but they also won the JCW uh, belt as well. And that thing was, looked awesome. And it looked, it gave every match, it felt like a sense of urgency of the wrestlers wanting to win and keep on moving into the next round where Bola just kind of felt like, it was nice if they won it, just be able to say, like, hey, I'm the winner, Bola. Not saying, like, Speedball took it for granted, but just I didn't feel the urgency in their matches than I did watching this Jacob. Yeah, what it is is just both Bola and this had just such a fantastic collection of talent that it was really easy for us to compare these two because the talent is up there in the same category. They're both tournaments. They got separated into two different times. You know, we're going to we're going to say that. I think what's nice is that GCW and JCW has enough regular roster that they can put on a show like this without reaching into the pockets of eight other companies without saying anything bad. I'm just saying we have homegrown. Yeah, and they definitely use it. As you said, it was a mixture of pretty much strictly GCW wrestlers as well as uh, wrestlers we've seen on JCW um, when they've had their shows on YouTube and stuff like that. So tonight we are covering GCW's Jersey Jacob. Tonight will be part one, so it'll be session one. Um, as they broke down the sessions, it, the first round was all in session one, and then uh, round two semis and the finals were in part two uh, the, at the night session. So it came from the White Eagle Hall in Jersey City, New Jersey, and just off that venue alone, the mm-hmm. I don't know if you saw it. I just saw the picture today of it. It looked really cool of a picture of Alec Price with the glass um, mural above on the ceiling. It looks very cool. Well, it's nice because it's a nice reminder that this is all still art. 
you know, so it's nice to look up and you see the stage, you see everything there. And yeah, I mean, when all is said and done, even all the violence, it's still human art. And you know me with the venues, that's going to stick out to me now. That picture, yeah. this, that's going to yeah. remind me, that venue will forever remind me of the Jersey Jacob. And I like how they changed the colors too of the, the ring. And so uh, mm-hmm. on the mat, the GCW was a blue and red, which like, as you said, the colors were very uh, stood out. And yeah. I, I enjoyed the new look of the mat and they brought in, they brought back the ring skirts. And I like also how they did the turnbuckles with the top turnbuckle being like GCW the bottom being GCW, but in the middle, JCW to kind of still represent JCW mm-hmm. as well. I thought it's just a nice shout out overall. And you're right. It's representing both. So it only makes sense to have them both there. What I noticed was Emil is in a Cavs jersey. Cleveland represent. I absolutely love that. Thank you so much, Emil. I believe that was a uh, an old LeBron jersey. So I, I thought that was really say. cool, you know. So LeBron just broke that big old record there. So um i'm sure he's shown a little bit of support i expected big things on tonight's show i'm right there with you when the show opened i'd seen the letters on the mat it had like a deep red color to it the colors looked a lot more vibrant tonight so i feel that gcw either had a higher production value that night or my internet was fully working in a better capacity i really didn't know but it showed that they can dress up nicely for a big dance when it does happen this um this was a big deal to the GCW family and it showed the matches were all engaging to me. There were no throwaway matches at all that night. There was a lot of extra oomph in the step of every performer. You could see that many individuals showed a deeper proficiency in several aspects of wrestling that I don't often see from them examples. I'm actually going to cover later when we get to those spots, but the crowd was hot. The hype was real. There's really nothing more to do left than really start the tournament. I could feel the anticipation in my body a little bit. Like, you know, you get right before a big show. The whole thing felt right from the beginning, and it looked really good. I agree with you. I The anticipation really, like, not hit me because at that point it was the end of the first round. But what made this tournament to me kind of feel like holy shit is a big deal was the speedball and... Jonathan Gresham entrances. Mm-hmm. Like, when those two came out and realized it was the end of the round one only, and the, we've just had two and a half hours of incredible action, it was like, holy shit, like, we still got a long night ahead of us, three more rounds, but the action had been so incredible, and, like, those entrances just made it, the pageantry felt there for a big-time tournament, and I loved the tournament because, it, as, you, as you said, it felt like a big deal, and... Mm-hmm. um I think the wrestlers too, as they kind of sold the injuries throughout the night, played a big part of the storytelling of the yes, tournament and yes. how grueling the the tournament actually was for the wrestlers that competed all four matches or even two or three. You could see the effects of the previous match on them going into the next round as well. For the opening match of the J Cup in the first round. We have Alex Shelley going against Jordan Oliver. And I was really looking forward to this match as it's been a while since we've seen Jordan in the ring with Alex. And the last time we did see them in the ring, Alex Shelley promised Jordan and Nick Wayne a match uh, against the Motor City Machine Guns. So hopefully we'll still get that match down the road, uh, especially with Motor City Machine Guns possibly uh, winning the tag belts from Los Macisos at an upcoming event. That would be kind of nice seeing Motor City Machine Guns going against uh, East West Express for the tag belts. But uh, this was a fun one-on-one match. It was 
very technical and I, I enjoyed the, how it was technical because Alex Shelley right. thrives in that and this got to show another side of Jordan and of how well he's improved on his ground game as well. But Alex Shelley looked really, really good during this opening round. I was like, not shocked how good he looked, but I'm like, felt kind of bad. It's like, okay, you're going to show up for maybe one match and then that's it. After right. as good as he looked, <laughs> um, he looked like he was on top of his game and Jordan stepped up to the plate and had a tremendous first round match against Alex Shelley. What was your thoughts on this match? Okay. So I'm going to be with you here just for a second. I was going to say that some of Shelley's moves, they look punishing. Like he gives a lot of impact to him. He has a lot of fantastic holds, but the other thing I noticed was that both of the men really appear comfortable with each other outside and inside the ring. So I'm curious if Alex has trained Oliver at all because they just seem so natural together. So let's go back here just for a moment. What was it about six months ago or so? Shelly promised East West uh, match when MCMG returns to GCW in Detroit. I just put a lot of letters in there. That's <laughs> kind of funny. But I believe this could be a nice peek into what's possible when all four men eventually do get together. Also, I just want to say I really like Alex Shelley. We talk about Oliver a lot, but I really have I really have a chance to mention Shelley, so I really want to. It's just he comes off very genuine, very kind. He appears humble, thankful, and I like that a lot, and I have a lot of respect, respect for him because of that. I've seen on videos back and forth, like, he just seems very humble behind the scenes with other wrestlers, and I just haven't seen or heard i'm sorry i haven't really heard anybody ever say anything negative about him at all yeah and another cool thing that just shows like his how humble he really is and like how much he cares for wrestling but he has his other interests in uh life outside of wrestling did you see like he tweeted out this morning like hey after the jacob i hopped on a plane got back home went back to work and uh went yeah. on the mountain back right like he's right back in there and I, he's um, I know he's a doctor of some sort. Am I, or am I thinking? I know Davy Richards like a firefighter, I think, or a or paramedic. Davy Richards, I believe, is a paramedic. That's what it is, paramedic. I don't honestly know what Shelley does. Uh, I think I he was like. I don't want to try to bullshit it. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I think he was like some sort of a doctor, maybe sports therapist or something like that. But I know he's got like a pretty serious and uh, job on on the on the real end, and he's just doing his wrestling on the side, but. I'd still so surprised that after the time he took off and kind of like was out of wrestling to come back and be on top of his game, just like how he is. Like I've always been a big fan of Alex Shirley as well since the old impact days when he was uh, yep. like the cameraman, he had like that cameraman gimmick with Kevin Nash. Like that's where I first started falling in love with Alex Shelley. And it's once again, of course, nice seeing him back in the GCW ring, especially on top of his game, like how he is or was that night. Well, I'm going to say, too, it's like we're watching Alex Shelley 10, 15 years ago easily. I don't know what the hell he's drinking or eating. I don't know if it's maybe a workout. Maybe I need to find out. But he's reversing aging. He has shown no signs of aging in like the last 15 years. I need to know what that secret is, man. <laughs> yeah, he so does look the I same as know... he was an impact. I, I agree right there with you. Yeah, it's the exact same. So this is one of the things that I noticed Alex likes to do in GCW. He likes to play heel. And we found out really early that this was what he was going to do in this match because he was not playing very nicely with uh, Mr. Uh, Jordan Oliver there. And the fans really did notice before he was being an asshole, there were dueling chants. I mean, they started with a hug. Everything was just nice as it could be. And then, yeah, shit took a turn for the worst really quick. 
it took about eight minutes to go outside the ring of ropes. These two really stayed in the ring, had a legit match. Every bit of it looked good. If you wanted to see classic Alex Shelley in modern times, that's what I felt like we got from him. I think you agree too, right? Yes. And I liked how he did turn heel, as you said, because I think that just added more to Jory's story, uh, especially throughout the whole tournament of what he had to go through. And yeah. it once again, it goes back to my prior statement of like, I don't know, that's the whole, I'm going to probably say it a lot during all these podcasts we do on this tournament, the sense of urgency. Like it just felt like, Hey, yeah, I respect you, but the bell rang, we shook hands and it's time. If I have to get dirty to win, I'm going to get dirty. I, I love you, Jordan. Right. But like, that's how Alex Shelley felt. And like, the way he locked in every single hold, it wasn't just a hold like to rest or to kind of like hurt a body part. Like it's every scene, every hold seemed to try to finish the match and get the submission. And I enjoyed that, especially because of this tournament. It just made every move during, especially during this match and every hold mean a lot more and would put a lot more punishment on their opponent if they did advance as um, we'll see later on. And some, and all these other matches too, there's other people that were selling injuries throughout the whole night. And I love that about tournament wrestling. So the other thing I kind of noticed here, and I'm wondering if you picked it up, the match was kind of 90s style in breathability. Like there was space between the moves. They were allowed to react to the, you know, to, to the action. So someone got punched. It wasn't just the guy turns to the right, turns back around. No, it was someone got a punch and it looked like a man received a punch in the face. He actually went, oh, my freaking jaw hurts, you know? I love that. This match, lots of joint manipulation and holds. Neither man was really truly dominant. I would say maybe Shelly, 60% Shelly, whatnot, you know. But at the 10 minute mark, Shelly chops Jordan and it rocks him fucking hard to a point that if you go back and look at it, B, you gotta look at this at some point. He gives Alec this look like, holy yeah. shit, that hurt. It's the one where he's on the ground on the post. Yep. Oh, dude, it was brutal. And you could see where he kind of broke character for a minute. Like, you son of a bitch, that hurt. Exactly. That's I, what I was thinking, too. Like, totally broke wrestler kayfabe. It's like, dude, that yeah, hurts. Slow yeah. down a little bit. Calm down, kid. <laughs> yeah, the eye contact was there the whole time. And I was laughing at the fans because they were chanting one more time after the last one more time just happens. And even commentaries like, yep. you can only have one one more time. That's just <laughs> That's just how it works. And commentary uh, was on fire tonight. I have a lot of notes and yes. praise for the commentary. Yeah. All three of them, uh, like Nick Knowledge, that that was a fantastic showing by him. He brought great, great tournament knowledge to this one. And like as you brought up, like I think this is Alex Shelley's like sixth time being in a tournament or something like that. So as a possible new fan, especially kind of even for me, I don't know too much of uh, tournament wrestling outside of baby bowl and probably the, the only term I could think of in independent mm -hmm. wrestling in the state. So um, Nick knowledge, being able to bring up all these cool facts and uh, statements throughout the whole night was just awesome. Seeing it and hearing it. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, okay. So the last time I heard Nick knowledge, I'm going to be fair. I was, I was saying his voice was very soft and you know, he was still working with some of the moves. It was he was learning things. This was quite a while ago, just when they had replaced a major broadcaster and they was bringing in Nick Knowledge for a little bit um, to to fill in for that spot. I'm going to reverse my course on this one and say I can tell you for sure. Nick Knowledge, he did deliver here. I think he was upbeat. He had personality to him. 
it wasn't like listening to someone who was older who was telling you softly how a story goes everything i talked about before which was of course just my opinion he had erased and i hadn't seen it since so there's a possibility some of the things i'd seen early from him may have been when he was under the weather it could have been downtime he could have been doing going through a breakup i don't know the situation all i know is if this was the nick knowledge i first heard not a word that i said before would have come out of my mouth so i want to reverse course on nick too he did a fantastic job yeah and i think dave prazak did too with all the history that he oh hell yeah with the ring of honor tournaments as well um i just thought in beta too whenever not just the speedball matches but especially like the charles mason match she was just on fire with her emotions that she was bringing to that match. Like I have a lot of notes in the commentary, just always like great call, great shout out, great mm-hmm. kiss, like commentary, Veda, Scott, Nick knowledge and day praise. Like you guys killed it as well during this tournament. So I'll get back to our action. So to speak here, the next few minutes were outside the ring. There was a lot of dirty fighting by Shelly. It included stomping on Jordan's elbow on the side of the ring. It looked nasty. Then he went into like this twisting motor city stretch and he holds Oliver in that for quite a while. The fans were not happy with it whatsoever. So after kind of stepping back and watching this, I was noticing how much Alex comes off like a veteran who's always one step ahead of Oliver. That's kind of how the story was written here. And Oliver comes off as the defiant, capable, young upstart who's like on his way up the hill. So that's kind of where it seems. Alex is where Alex is on his hill. That's where he, that's what you know that, but you could always kind of tell, even with commentary, Jordan was on the uphill walk from match one yeah i i definitely agree with it it felt like shelly as i think dave praise that called with his previous uh tournament experience he's well versed in this and he kind of knows how to pace himself he knows how to work the as you said the joint yeah. manipulation and stuff like that and if i felt like jordan was kind of he's got i mean he was the winner of the acid cup a couple years ago as well so he knows all about the tournaments and that was brought up as as well i think as a counterpoint to Whoever was talking about Alex Shelley, they're saying Jordan's been through it all. He's wrestled four matches in one night to win the Jacob. So he knows what the struggle is to get to the top of this tournament and make it to the finals and win it all. So um, I felt too like Jordan was like the ones like, okay, I know you, who you are. I looked up to you. I know your moves. But as you said, Alex Shelley just found different ways to get into those moves or as uh, once again, you said, stayed one step ahead of Jordan and kept Jordan yeah. on his toes. And I loved that part of the story building throughout this match. Yeah, just the way everything was put together, it just felt like there was a level of maturity there that Shelley had that Oliver was just not able to meet for a decade or more. You know what I mean? He was just he was on his shit. And that's just how it was. These two really made this look like a real struggle. And they did spend a lot of time really struggling. Someone would have someone's leg and they'd hold it there and make it look like there's real, really something going on instead of, you know, something a little more short ter- short term. I'm going to kind of echo you. They did a great job selling their injuries in this match and continuing on through the evening as they went. I feel like we were really legitimately being told a story. It was, um, it was a great, it was just a great starter for the, um, for the day because it really, okay, no lie. This is my match of the, uh, of the first half of this tournament. This to me was the pinnacle match. No shit above all others. Yeah. Lie. Uh, yeah, I mean, I never, I'm not gonna lie. This is this is my one. I I, I don't know. 
I, I like know. how it was different. It, like it, as you said, it didn't feel like a GCW go 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 the work rate as you were kind of saying. It wasn't yes, just nonstop yes. going. And I'm all for that because Alex Shelley, this was perfect for him. Jordan's shown he could do these kind of matches, and for what this tournament was going to be, there was to- there was a time and space for this kind of match, and I'm really glad this happened, especially the first match of the tournament. Yeah, there was ton of this is awesome chance that I really love to hear. And the other thing I liked about this, because this was an 18-minute match, the last minute of this match was just both men trading big moves on each other. And because of all the tension that was built up, because of just there was so much that was going on within that 16, 17-minute mark, there was everybody just wanted to see Shelly get the shit kicked out of him. That was the only way I could really put it. So when everybody's trading these big moves back and forth, it's like the finale with fireworks. And everybody was just way into it. I'll go ahead and announce our winner, Mr. Jordan Oliver. He ended up getting this quick, small package on Alex Shelley. I can't give more than that because it was like a flurry. Like it was time to wrap it up and boom, they wrapped it up. So that's how it ended. And I had a bracket. I won't, we haven't had a chance to really talk about it, but I was really happy to see that this first match followed my bracket because I wanted to see Jordan Oliver go all the way in this one. Yes, I had uh, Jordan as well in this one. Um, and I like how they didn't end it off with a move. It kind of like it saved Jordan's clout cutter or whatever finisher he decided to use. Yes. Yeah. We've seen him kind of use a bunch of different finishers lately on, uh, on this, his competitors during the matches. So I was able, I was glad that they were able to kind of save the clout cutter instead of like having the same finisher end all three matches or if he made it there, like I, I enjoyed like how it saved, um, the big finisher to have it be whenever it finally does happen, it's going to mean something instead of it happening now, later, later, later. And this, the surprise pin was kind of cool because he got one over on the veteran, which kind of was, Mm -hmm. as you said, the struggle throughout the whole match. Jordan finally got that one moment and made a count and caught Alex Shelley off guard and uh, scored the, scored the victory. And I, I enjoyed it. First match of the night. I was surprised they went 18 minutes. I was like, this is going to be a long night. And I didn't know they were just doing the first round in the first uh, first session as well. I was like, Jesus, these are going to be long matches. Okay, and here's something I don't think commentary picked up on and nobody that I've seen online picked up on. Right after Shelly was pinned, he got right back up and he was like, three, three? Like, he was ready to go, which tells me that there was more in that tank. And if they wanted to rewrite that story from a singles perspective... If if Jordan just keeps going, I can see Shelly going, wait a minute. Yeah, you got me in a quick pin, but I had way more left in me. They they could go, they could run this back again, and I'm not gonna complain. But I like how they did it because Alex Shelley could have came up and complained and then like said, Hey, that wasn't a three and made it controversial, which would have taken correct, away from correct. the victory, where him just getting up and that was three, shit, he got me and acknowledging yep, the loss yep, and he got me. it took nothing away from Jordan's win. It just was a surprise victory. And I, I I'm very glad I noticed that too. As soon as he came up, it was like three. It's like, oh, please don't like taint this victory. Keep it going. Mm-hmm. Like be I, I knew he would shake his hand. I knew he wouldn't go full on heel, but I was actually kind of waiting for it, maybe just to tease a future match <laughs> with the East West Express and Motor Machine. Right. It was in the back of my mind, but I wasn't expecting it. And um, I, I enjoyed it for the first match of the first round. I was, I, I literally afterwards was like, oh, this is going to be a long tournament. And like, cause that's going to be, <laughs> that's a t- great first match in 17, 18 minutes, damn near. And uh, yeah, still got six or seven more matches to go in the first round. Right. 
Yeah, th these two put on the kind of match that it showed that they put thought into it before they went out there. This wasn't just, oh, we'll call it when we're out there kind of thing. And then we just talk about the ending in three, four, five high spots. No, none whatsoever. Also, my last little statement on this is I think that from almost every angle, this match was almost about as perfect as it was going to get from a tournament perspective. There were specific things held back. There were specific things that were um, accentuated, especially like you said, the injuries. I think everything about this was very mature. And I think Alex is the one that we can thank for picking that up in that value. And I think that's something that only came with the fact that he was in TNA. It only comes with the fact that he's been a veteran for probably as many years as almost Jordan's been alive. Yeah. It shows. I think All Alex of that shows at least 20 years in. Yeah. So, I mean, he knows how to book a big time TV match and it felt like a big TV match here. Yes. And I'm glad uh, Jordan was able to keep the pace with him and pick up the victory and move on to round two. For the second first round match of the evening, it is the six-way scramble as Cole Radrick, Dante Leon, Dylan McKay, Marcus Mathers, Yoya, and Grim Reefer, who was replacing Jack Cartwheel. Uh, I don't think they said what happened to Jack Cartwheel, but... Um, I am kind of glad it was Grim Reefer since he's had all this experience in past Jacobs, and that's where Nick Knowledge came in and uh, dropped all that information. Um, I liked how he was inserted in this, because then I, once I saw a Grim Reefer, I'm like, are they going to give him a bone? Are they going to let him go a round or two here and let right, him right. push himself to go farther in this tournament? And I had no idea who was going to win this scramble. I... Um, in my bracket, I put Mar picked Marcus Mathers because I thought him advancing to the next round to go against Alec Price would kind of tell a cool story of the real struggle between two of JCW's kind of, uh, as we want to say, pillars. Pillars of JCW with Alec Price and uh, Marcus Mathers. I was really thinking Marcus Mathers was going to win this one. And this was an entertaining scramble. It didn't feel like even this match still was felt like a sense of urgency with all the the wrestlers coming in and breaking up all the pins and like doing the opposite of Shelley's like, please tell me that was too, too good. I'm still alive in this match and I saved myself and I loved all the high spots because this was a very high flying uh, scramble as well. Oh, what yeah. your thoughts on this tournament or this uh, scramble? Sorry. Okay, so when I was filling out my bracket, I was fighting between the winner being Roger Cole and Dante Leon. Now, Roger Cole, because he has such a prominent spot in the GCW roster and Dante Leon, because he's fresh out of Japan and there are no slouches in Japan. So I think me, I thought maybe it'd be one or the other in that in that case. Poor Jack Cartwheel. I, I don't know what happened to him either. I was going to make like he lost a wheel joke or some shit. And yeah, I just, yeah, it was terrible. So I really was surprised when Grimm came out. I think the fans were too. It was really nice to see. He looks really good in blue, and I like that change that he had made a while back. It was nice seeing uh, Dante back. He was in Japan for a while, like I said earlier, but my notes tell me to say it again. The match setup was more towards like a single match in ring while others stood on the outside and watched. It wasn't the typical six competitors having three separate fights. So it wasn't like an SGC style scramble is the best way to put it. And that was about how the first half of this match went was primarily a lot of people on the outside trying to avoid any damage. Why two men on the inside, you know, beat the crap out of each other. Yeah. And I 
if I had to actually go with my heart, I was kind of picking Cole Radrick to win mm-hmm. because, I, mm-hmm. as we were, as I said on the last podcast, this his match with Ali Catch was a nice uh, moment, momentum builder, especially heading into the J Cup, and he looked really good uh, throughout this night as well and throughout this um, this opening uh, opening round scramble. Yoya seemed to have a lot of spots in in this as well. He kind yeah. of got a lot of uh, one-on-one time in the ring, and I enjoyed seeing that because, as I think last time we were talking about too, Yoya was in the ring for a lot of the, the last scramble as well. So it's nice to see him kind of keep on getting his feet wet and getting more experience and ring time in during these scrambles because I always view him as kind of a JCW mainstay wrestler because he's always on all mm-hmm. those cards, and I think – that's fine. That's perfect for him and gives him a nice place to show showcase his talents a little bit more often than what GCW has kind of provided him at the moment. No, that's a really good point. Um, speaking of everybody getting something in there on minute five, everyone was getting in their topes. Leon had a nice top rope plancha. Also, there was a nice little spot that if you have a chance to look it up, Yoya Mathers and Leon had this great combo moves that just needs to be seen. I couldn't even describe it. It was like four moves in one. McKay and Mathers fought, which always seems to look good when it's those two. It it needs to happen. There needs to be a boil over. They just seem so even. I don't know if it's the age. I don't know if it's the size. No idea. Um, another spot I wanted to mention where McKay had this beautiful top rope corkscrew onto everyone below. It looks so damn good. Minute six and seven and people are flying from everywhere. Minute eight, we have more of like a real scramble. Bodies everywhere damage everywhere and i'd noticed this whole time i think you may have noticed too ratty was really quiet until about the second half of this match he was being smart yeah and i like it he was like picking his spots of when to kind of come in and raise havoc and when to kind of fall back and let the others deal damage to themselves um nick knowledge made another great point during this match with dylan mckay or not dylan mckay i'm sorry um dante leon of his recent experience winning um the championship gold out in Noah for the JHC junior heavyweight championship and how that seemed to have given him a little boost of confidence. And he had like a little different moveset as well during this match. I see he did like a, he had Yoya on his shoulders. I don't know if this is one of the moves you were talking about, but he lifted him up and kind of flipped him and made him like spin and recoil. Yeah. Kind of like a rip cord, like power slam. Okay. And yeah, that looked really cool. And I never saw him before. And, he has, he does have a sense of confidence. He's whole, like, he caught Yo Yo and was like just smiling at the hard cams. Like, really? This is what you tried on me, kid? Like, <laughs> you know where I just came back from? I've been in Japan killing it. And I'm liking the Dante Leon with all his confidence. It's very um, noticeable, I think, in his moveset and how he's been reacting. And I think that's just the experience um, that he's been getting along with a lot, as well as Ninja Mac out in Japan. You know, if you've noticed too, Yoya's working a lot on his body and it shows. Like every time he comes out, he's cut. He's a touch larger than he was before. And I think it really works for him given his size and what he's trying to do out there. You know, it's to, to be real, to be real. You know what I mean? He knows he's a smaller guy. So he goes and he hits the freaking gym and makes the most of it. So kudos to him for doing so because that keeps him on a more even level. I think he's got a new nickname. Oh, no. Swolia. Swolia. Oh. Ooh, that can be. Look at you. You're all proud of yourself and shit. I patted myself on the back on that one. That came. That came top of my head. Swole you. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> all right. So back onto it here. Uh, minute nine and Reefer still had his hat on. I put that in the notes because it was absolutely fucking hilarious. I don't know what the hell happened, but it was funny. So 
I've noticed that there's more singles focus in the recent scrambled and it's provided some structure in a normally chaotic match because scrambles used to just be wall to wall chaos. You see what you can when you catch it, because if you're looking left, you're going to miss something right. That's just how it always was. But I'm noticing, especially in this match that GCW scrambles have really like, they've really matured with a balance of singles and group fighting in different intervals. They've had speed speed changes to go up and down. And it just seems like they know how to dial up and, you know, kind of pump up the crowd when they need to. And that comes with the level of maturity, I think, from all the people in the ring working together at one time. And this match really showed that for me. And I like how, too, they've been in- introducing a lot more of, like, uncommon, like, two competitors that w- you would never see do a tag team move together or work together. Um, mm-hmm. Working together, especially, like, when Shane Mercer's just throwing Yoya to Axon Ray and Axon Ray's catching him and doing something else to Yoya. I like how, like, they're integrating, kind of teasing these new possible, not teasing tag teams, but, like, showing what these two competitors could do if they were a team. Um, in a tag team match. And as you said, I think Dylan McKay and Mark Smathers told a cool story of a possible tag team breaking up with the Wasted Youth because later on we see, I don't remember if Dylan was in the tag team match or not, but later on we see uh, Marcus Mathers in another match outside the tournament and he didn't team up with Mathers. And I think there was a comment made of, did we see the destruction of wasted youth earlier in the night right right and i kind of liked how they called back even then towards was something that happened earlier in the night in part one and i i kind of i think they're going to stay together because i don't think i think dylan mckay is doing really good with marcus mathers as a tag partner and kind of just mm-hmm. jumping in and filling uh little spots here and there during their, their tag matches but seeing them when they were working together during this uh scramble was awesome to see but was also seeing Awesome seeing them kind of have the dysfunction of who's going to get the victory and who's not. So our winner in this one, Cole Radrick. He pulls up that familiar little Sebastian's curse. He popped it off on Dylan McKay. So this comes to my next point. Cole may have been smart by waiting until the second half to be fresh in the match. Would that not have been a great time as like to turn him maybe a little more heel? Like if there was a heel push in his future, waiting would have been a huge catalyst that would have been wonderful to help him just do something without doing anything. He could have just sat out there and smiled on camera. Yeah, I mean, we see Tony Depp do that on scrambles, like how he just shows up. He's like, fuck you guys. I don't need to be here. And then. Yep. And then shows up like five minutes later. Heels do that shit. It's just one of those things. It's really crazy. Yeah, I, I I very much enjoyed like Cole Cole Radjic picking up the victory, and I think it was kind of smart though, letting him kind of relax and hang out, so that way he saved his energy for round two. And as you said, I think there was like after especially the night be- or the last episode we did prior, where he kind of had the little the heel tactics and the crowd going against him. I'd still like to see these little teases of, of possible character change whether that be heel or something else because as we talked about his striking his striking definitely improved and we saw during this match yes. he did a lot more combos than what we've seen in the past and our third uh first round match of the evening is blake christian going against alec price and this was once again, another match I was really looking forward to see. I was hoping uh, Blake Christian would get his comeuppance here from Alec Price. And Alec Price kind of do a little bit more face work and um, kind of put the boots to Blake. I, I, 
even though we're enjoying this Blake run, I I really was hoping not to see too much of him during this tournament. So that way to uh, kind of further his heel status or maybe as a heel, he comes in and kind of ruins some matches because he's upset that he lost. But this was a pretty fun match for, for once again, another first round match. That's they just went at it like it could have been a semis or a finals matchup. And these two were incredible. I want to see these two work against each other all the time. Okay, so I found this really interesting because this is a heel versus heel matchup. And that's not seen often. And I didn't know how this was going to go. But I know with the trajectory of Blake Christian right now, I felt he was going to be the heel in this one. I just didn't know how Alec Price was going to uh, be booked in this match. So it was really interesting to see how all of this kind of devolved basically in one way or another into what it did. Uh, Price was very, very well received. I'm a huge Price fan. I think he's going places. I think people should enjoy him now. I feel we'll see him more in GCW this year, but it's only a matter of time before I think he will be on the up and up into something better. Heel Blake was in full effect here. From the moment he comes out of the curtain, he starts mocking fans. He's being obnoxious. Blake even started the match with, I think, what might be Blake's thing, his stalling technique. He knows he's pissing off the fans and he knows he's pissing off Alec by far. I think I heard an all shit chant. Did you hear an all shit chant breakout? I heard like all heart and then I heard like something else. I couldn't understand what it was. Um, was it shark? Like a sh- I don't know. <laughs> I heard something. Shark. <laughs> I, oh God, he's going to kill me at LA. I heard something. Well, okay. I've heard Tony Depp and yell all fart during his matches. Like I, then yeah. call him, um, What's that, Paul? Instead of Paul Blart, the Kamal cop, he was calling them uh, Paul Fart. And so, like, yeah, yeah Tony Gaffa yeah. was going in on Blake okay. Christian at the end, at one of these LA shows. Um, I really like too. And commentary, Prazak made a, uh, another mention that he's noticing Blake is withholding a lot of his cool-looking moves as just another way to piss off the fans. And that's something we've been talking about too. It's going to be kind of hard of Blake to kind of stay over with the fans. If he continues to be as good as he is in the ring. And that's something we say about Alec Price as well, how it's going to be tougher for him to kind of get the boost because he's so impressive and he's getting more over with uh, the fans as well. But I just loved hearing Prazak say something that we've been kind of saying the last couple episodes as well. Yeah. Well, incredible athleticism between the two, really. And they were showing it off early. Alec was getting sympathy because of the heel work from Blake. He was selling everything really well. The fans were openly booing. Like these guys were an- building anticipation really well because this was a uh, this was a beatdown. Um, in action, Blake couldn't be more of a heel to me. He was doing like some very thick heel work. If he doesn't act obnoxious when mocking, it'll come across better. Okay, and the other thing I really noticed here was Price has had maybe 10% of the offense by mid-match, just total beat down the whole time. And it was really, like, Blake was getting crazy heat. Fuck you, Blake Chance. Basically, um, that was coming on when Price was getting his, like, foot stomps into his head. That's where we were at. Like, Blake was getting disrespectful with what he was doing, and the fans really didn't like it. I like it because I know it's working. Round minute 10, it goes to the outside. Blake had an awesome Arabian buster, which isn't done very often. So I thought it was kind of cool. It was one of, my, one of my favorite moves from back in the day. Alec was hopping on one leg at this point. Some offense in the second half, but still not even half as much as Blake. 
There's a spot where Alec drop kicks Blake in the middle of a moonsault. That was everybody's crazy. seen that online. You've seen it online, right? That was a fun spot. Yeah. Once he did that, I was like, oh shit. Like I kind of did like the out of nowhere, like, oh, I did not expect that to happen and it hit cleanly too. Dude, the wrestling community, you could even see him on that. And they were like, oh my God, look at that. Cause it was just beautiful timing. It was well executed. You couldn't have really done it much better. So here we go. When it comes to heels, the referee gets hit and goes down. And of course, we're wanting Alec to win this. So Alec wraps him up and he gets a three, but there's no one to count. And then, of course, while the ref isn't looking, Blake hits a low blow on Alec. And that got heavy booze. This is this is what we were talking about with Blake through his actions. He's really getting that heat. And. Honestly, if he continues having matches just like that after 10 or 20 matches, let's just say he's going to be solidified as an asshole heel. And I think that's what he wanted. And I think he's getting better and better at it as well. I was the same way with you. I love how he's doing the heel work. But my one I don't I hate to even gripe about this because it's a small thing. But like I found myself, as you said, he's doing like the annoying, like the eye rolls when he's doing the suck it or the the let me hear you. And the eye rolls like, yeah, it's just like a little too annoying. But that's what he wants. And it's working. And yes, I can't complain about it. But that was the one thing I was like, God, like it turned. It's like, stop rolling your goddamn eyes. And like it got even worse. Like (laughs) he got under my skin even more with that. But I'm loving this character he's doing. And he's playing it to a T perfectly. And it's been fun watching this because we've been kind of asking for this for a while. And he just keeps getting better and better at it each and every time we see him. And our not so surprising winner here ended up being Blake Christian. He hit a ripcord into a uh, standing Spanish fly. He's known for that. It looked absolutely beautiful. What I really noticed here was here we are with the heavy booze on Blake and the crowd was not happy at all. There was maybe a small handful of respect cheers because he did work his ass off. But everything that Blake is doing in the ring now is working and it's showing. So I think he's tapped into the right vein and I hope he continues with it because if he wanted a different character or if he wanted to change gears, this is a completely different gear and people don't like it. And that means it works. And he did a very good job of as once again, working a body part, especially the legs for Alec Price, because Alec mm-hmm. Price is a pretty good and fun high flyer to watch. And that just kind of adds into a status. Like Blake's like, I'm not going to be flying around doing cool shit for you. And guess what? Neither is your boy, Alex, uh, Alec Price, because I'm going to hurt his leg and you guys ain't going to have no high flying. Yep. So what do you really think about me now? And I, I love that part because it made total sense. And um, yeah, Blake is absolutely going to keep on <laughs> getting booed and booed and booed. And I've noticed, though, it's gotten better and not like, hey, go away. Booze as he was getting. It's now like, right. You're an asshole. Stop messing. <laughs> like, stop uh-huh. our shit. Stop with stop withholding your cool moves. Give us what we want kind of stuff and uh what was like was that the wedding crashes make me a puppet or make me a clown puppet <laughs> so, <laughs> i i like how uh it's been going on and i disappointed to see alec price out in the first round because i just thought this was he was my original pick to win i just thought mm. with him being kind of a homegrown jcw wrestler um wrestling a lot more in jcw but now way more recently in gcw as well i thought this was kind of going to be like his uh crowning moment of 2023 and being the jcw champion as a jcw wrestler but surprisingly i i say surprisingly because 
Uh, like I said, I didn't expect Blake to win, but Blake picks up the victory and moves on to round number two. Yeah, he's getting Blake's getting that nasty heat. Like someone in the crowd may one day try to take a fucking pop at him heat. Like he gets, it's gonna he be gets, AC. you know. Oh, it's very possible. Also, well, LA right, might I'll pop up too. You, you say, never yeah. know. Um, heel versus heel was an interesting choice in this match, unless and it's possible this ushers in a face turn for Alec Price. That's where I possible. was. That's where I was kind of leaning towards. I thought this was going to be kind of like a uh, Bret Hart, Stone Cold, Steve Austin kind of like not. Well, they ruined the double turn already because Blake's already been into it. But a couple of weeks ago, I was saying before Blake. Before the New Year show, I was kind of hoping if when they did the Jacob that this would be kind of like a face versus heel, but ends up being Blake turning heel and Alec Price turning face. So I do think that is a possibility down the road because even every time Alex Price went or Alec Price went for that uh that kick in the corner and he would say, mm-hmm. uh, what? oh my God, I just had it on the tip of my tongue and I forgot. Because he's garbage yeah. or because he's trash? Yeah, like. He ain't him because he's trash. Like I like how That's that right. he, like fans loved it too, and um, I definitely could see a bit. Well, Alec Price is really good as a heel as well, so it's kind of tough to see. I think I could see him kind of going back and forth until he finds out what he really thinks is going to be comfortable for his character moving forward. Wow, you said a lot there, and I agree with you a hundred percent. I I really would like to have seen Alec Price move on in this one, but I understand the importance now of Blake Christian in this bracket, especially when we've seen the new Blake. So yeah. I want to see more. I, I like that. He, I like that. I don't like him. <laughs> I, it made, I, I agree with you. It made sense and kind of lend. It got me kind of more excited of all right, who's going to be the one who whips his ass in round two. And hopefully we don't see him mm-hmm. keep on going. So uh, got me more invested in the next uh, Blake Christian's next round opponent as well. For the fourth first round matchup of the evening, it is the bad boy Joey Janela going against Star Boy Charlie. Two former, well, I'm not even going to say former because they uh, seem to be friendly throughout this match, but two former uh, partners as, oh, yeah, I didn't see that in your notes, that when it gets themselves, it's the big savage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Going against each other. And I thought that was cool just because as we laid out when we did the preview of this last podcast we said storytelling in each round and how each match kind of told a pretty cool story this one kind of told the story of um joey janela working together with starboy and now going against each other and seeing if there was any uh respect still between the two since we haven't seen them interact since star well see joey wasn't even at that match but uh first time interacting a long time since i think the south or the san francisco show so mm-hmm. i was wondering Joey Janela, I thought, was going to go have a deep run in this as well. Like, I just thought this was kind of his fuck you to everybody. All his haters out there saying he can't do anything other than the backyard deathmatch shit. I thought what better way for him to shut up his haters to put on a uh, great run in this tournament, kind of with the classical style of wrestling, more traditional in-ring, uh, non-fuckery style. And this was a great first match for him to do so against Starboy. And I thought this was a great opportunity for Starboy to step it up and put on a nice show and against a young, uh, a veteran as Joey Janela, especially since he's, um, kind of not the, the young boy underneath Joey Janela, but has seen, uh, some time with Joey Janela in recent events. So what was your thoughts on this first, ma- on this first round matchup? I was really curious about what kind of drama was going to go down. Cause you're right. These two, not too long ago, were partners chopping down huge trees with the South Pacific savages. Not only that, 
they were doing it in a cage match. This is like a nowhere to run situation. I was noticing in the first and second minute of this match, there was a lot of chain wrestling. I feel like you were right there where I think Janela was making sure this was more of a wrestling match. Janela was definitely playing heel here. He's got his bad boy face on. Starboy was getting beat up quite a bit, but I will say he was getting in way more offense than Alec ever did in that last match because, yeah, that was just a total beatdown. I was not exactly thrilled to see my boy get the shit kicked out of him so hard. I'm surprised someone hasn't injured themselves on Starboy's buttons on those overalls. I I'm just saying it because I think it's only a matter of one day before maybe he loses a nipple or something. You never know. It, uh, yeah. Well, there was hey, a... man, have you ever seen those things where like you can fucking pinch yourself hard in those things? I don't know how some of these wrestlers wrestle with necklaces, the nose rings, the piercings, the yeah, overalls, like Alex Zane with some of those like buttons he used to have like on his pants that like protruded out. I was like, those got to hurt if he hits his opponent with it. Yeah, but yeah. during this match, I noticed I forgot what move Starboy had both straps down, but you see him kind of like buckle it in and kind of tuck it inside. So that way, as you said, the button wasn't sticking outwards. And I thought right. that's the first thing I thought of too. I'm like, oh, he knows like this could possibly hurt somebody. So he's like tucked it in for the safety. And I, I thought that was interesting, but I still not understanding the whole overall Starboy Charlie. I I just want a little bit more uh, background of why he is choosing to go this route, and this is uh, his kind of new character change. I just would like a little bit more information to explain it better to me, unless I missed it online, but or at a previous uh, on commentary, I haven't heard a pretty a good explanation of why this is Starboy Charlie's new kind of ring music and uh, in ring yeah. gear as well. Yeah, and I think we've said that a couple times before. We echo each other on this because it was even in my notes on this one. We need to know exactly who he is. I'm hoping some some more information comes forward because I cheer him on as a person, uh, also partially because of sympathy. But I know there's more to him than that. I know he changed his look. I'd like to know more about it. You know, I'll kind of keep it simple on that end. Um, Joey, Starboy Chance, they were going back and forth, dueling. Janela seems more in control even when he's losing in this match. I can't really explain it past the fact that it seems like he was calling all the shots, possibly. I don't have a better way to put it. There was a chop fight at minute 10. Starboy gets his bibs taken down, and he receives heavy chops. His chest is red, swollen, and then you can see on the close-up there was blood from those chops. I love that. You're you're a big fan of that too, aren't you? Where and they he, start racing, racing blood on the chest and shit. And, and he's been taking some brutal chops. Like I just remember the this when he went against Willie Mack and AC. Like he took mm. the one shot from Willie Mack. He's like, okay, never mind. Straps go up. You're you're good. I give up. <laughs> like I like how he sold that one. But yeah, he's always been taking a beating in like all his matches. And I think that maybe that's kind of what he's going for is like one of those like hardworking. You can't put him down, and you're gonna have to kill him to defeat him kind of stuff. I don't know. I don't, I don't, I'm still just stuck on the whole overalls. <laughs> no, that's okay. And the socks, I didn't get to see what the socks were this time, but he seems to always like Siler socks. So I'm, I'm not against that either, but brawl style blow for blow. There was really no outside ring stuff, no weapons, no tricks. There was some high flying moves that were incorporated in the second half of the match, but this wasn't your typical Joey Janela match with creative spots and funny moments. 
I really want to make sure I say this properly. This was a real respectable wrestling match that would be something classic wrestling fans would definitely approve of. I couldn't see Cornette saying too much about this one because this is one of those matches that I feel he would have approved in Smoky Mountain. So I'm not going to go too far with that. But as we move on, minute 16, Starboy loses his cool. He takes a package pile driver on the apron. He's rolled in the ring. A double stomp for the win. And for the end, we go to our winner, Joey Janela. I, I'm i almost curious if Starboy should have fought Blake instead and Alec would have win against Janela. And the only reason I'm saying that was because it would have probably done more for Blake to win against Starboy. And it would have helped Starboy out too as well. Like getting more, right, so. as you said, the sympathy behind him during his match. I did not think and we're getting, we're just We're just playing with oh, other yeah. people's toys. But I just thought about that right now. I look at the point of both matches and I see where that could have been switched. Now, the only other thing that may have negated that could have been that Joey is way more comfortable with Starboy, possibly, because I feel that with all the stuff that they're doing here, they had to have been working together for the past six, six months or more. And with all the stuff, kind of like how we always talk about story, 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 the whole first round, this was I think there was more story doing it this way and even doing Blake versus Alec kind of as. Mm-hmm. Like the new asshole against what's kind of becoming the new, not flavor of the month, but a new fan favorite for GCW and Alec Price and someone that people are just asking to see almost on every show and stuff like that. Um, I think it would have been better than, but I agree with you. Like, I think as the match has played out and now seeing the results of each match, I think um, I do could see it going Joey Janela versus Alec and Starboy versus Blake and still having the same winners. While also mm-hmm. telling, getting, helping out the losers a little bit more than kind of what they did, but I don't, I don't think Starboy got hurt too much in this match, and I don't think same thing with Alec, Alec Price. I think you even had in one of your notes. I don't know if you said it or not, but it did look like Alec might have been possibly hurt, and yes, I, I agree. Yeah. Like they maybe that's why he lost, and but it also tells the cool story of Blake being the asshole that kind of ruins everyone's fun and moves on to the next round and getting rid of a fan favorite. So. Um, I think Alec Price will have his day sooner than later, and Starboy as well. Like I know I, ra- I I just don't understand the whole gimmick with the overalls and music and stuff, but in his in-ring, has always been impressive and fun to watch, and I enjoy yeah. watching him still wrestle in the ring. I just don't under... Like, before, he was the lovable underdog that everyone wanted to get behind with these overalls. I, I just don't understand what is going on, but as time will let it play out, uh, we'll see more of what Starboy has in store as this new character, and I can't wait to see. I just don't see it right now. You hit on something there. I would like to see Janela versus Price. East Coast attitude. Match. That's that's what I was thinking. If they did Janela, yeah. as you said, Janela versus Price in this first round would be very cool because, as you said, Jacob Jersey wrestling, two Jersey people going at it. I definitely would have enjoyed that. Wait, is Alec Price Jersey? Uh no, I Boston, think he's right? Boston. Yeah, I think he's Boston. a masshole. Oh, okay. That's yeah. why I was like, wait, that's but it's close enough. I can call him a masshole. I was up in Boston for a little bit, so I'm like, I was a masshole also. <laughs> um, yeah, Janelle and Price, I think, would be a fantastic match. A lot of shit talking going down. But I wanted to also notice here, I wanted to mention, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm mentioning something that I noticed. Janela ends this match by putting over Starboy. I noticed that I rarely see a Janela match where Joey isn't giving it up for whoever he wrestles with. I just wanted to mention, I think that's classy of him. I think he has a great understanding of where he is in his career and he's got a lot left 
and he's using that when he needs to. He understands what being reserved means now. He's not falling off of buildings and into the back of trucks anymore. And I believe he understands with maturity, I think, comes an understanding of self-preservation. And I think we're seeing that. And I also think that he has an excellent understanding of the the bigger picture here, where when he's done and over, you know, Starboy's going to be in his 15th, 20th year. And He's got to look good now, and this is kind of the way it always goes. So I just wanted to say, you know, Janelle has always been classy about that. And um, if anything, I know that at the end of the night, Janela will always point his finger at the opponent like, you know, this guy, you know, cheer him. I always like that about Janela. Yeah, I, I enjoy when he does that, too. And I think him and I think he said it, too, even though. I don't want to put it or reword it the wrong way, but how he's, I think he said in the past, like be, letting go, being let go from AW was kind of good for him because he's yeah. able to now travel wherever he wants to demand his own uh, price for his booking and stuff like that. But I think he's a guy that just absolutely craves the creative freedom and to do whatever the fuck he wants during these matches and do it how he wants to do it without any, being told of, no, you can't do this. No, you can't do that. And I think that's, making his performances since he's been let go of AEW. I think he's been at the best I've ever seen him. Even though I didn't see him too much before AEW, I've gone back and seen some of his stuff from before AEW, but I think what he's been doing since he's been let go has been amazing. And I think it's because his like creative juices are flowing now and he knows he, he can mm-hmm. do whatever the hell he wants and not be held back and tell his style of wrestling that he wants to. And I think he's done that with all these different variations of these matches that you said that didn't feel like a typical joy match where they're doing crazy comedy spots outside and crazy bumps with the door and stuff like that. This was a great traditional tournament style wrestling match. And um, I think he did awesome in this kind of match as well. Yeah. That, that level of maturity for him, it went up greatly after that AEW job. And I think it did wonders for him in his career. I think when he looks back on it, I think he's going to find out it was one of the experiences that he learned more from than maybe he thought he was going to. And I think if he was given the chance again, this time he would really make the most of it. And I think he'd do it in a really positive way. He's become a better person since he's come back. Even just seems more clear headed and clear minded. Even, you know, when you can tell when someone gets in the ring and they're just, you know, they've had a couple of drinks or enjoying themselves. Joey doesn't have that a couple drinks and enjoying himself almost messy kind of any of that anymore. And he'd have that every now and then. He's a guy who'd like to enjoy himself. The, nothing wrong with that. Backyard but, shows. Um, comes fine, but that's, that's fine right. for we've gotten a, Well, we've gotten a better Joey out of all this. Joey now is a better individual as a performer than he was five years ago. Yeah, for sure. I, I think so as well. From the, the little I've seen of his before GCW career. For the fifth match of the first round, we have Leo Rush going against Tony Deppin. And I was really looking forward to this match to see what kind of heelish shit that Tony Deppin would do. And I was also interested to see if we would see kind of the New Japan Leo Rush that we kind of saw as right before this weekend, he was announced for New Japan of challenging a for the junior heavyweight championship out in Japan. And he kind of has like a new little fast face mask across his face and a little yeah. bit darker look. And we got that Leo and I'm glad we did because uh, he's still staying in kind of character of what he's doing in new Japan. And I've been loving his work in new Japan because he's been killing it out there. Just like how Ninja Mac and Dante Leon are. Um, 
And of course, I'm a giant Leo fan, so anytime I get to see Leo in a ring, I'm excited <laughs> on top of all that other stuff. But this match against Tony Depp, and I thought was a perfect matchup uh, between these two because with Tony Deppin's assholeness and heelness, I thought that would easily just keep Leo Rush as the face. But then I kind of got scared when Tony Deppin grabbed the mic and was like, hey, why are you guys cheering for this asshole? Hasn't he retired like eight times already in the last two years? Yep, why yep. is he back here again? I was like, oh, shit, he didn't go there. And then I was like, please don't have that be the reason the crowd turns on Leo. But also I was like, Leo, fuck him up, please, for saying that. <laughs> so I got all that okay. stuff and it was a fun match. So for me, I'm with you. It was a highly anticipated matchup. That was probably one of the top three for me that I was really looking forward to in that opening round. Leo came out to heavy cheers. We knew that was going to happen. He's always welcome in GCW. I echo that. I love seeing him in GCW. Tony comes out and everyone's singing his music. He throws a hat. He gets in the ring, just like you were saying, demanded a mic, tells everyone this isn't wrestling karaoke and they need to shut the fuck up so he can concentrate. <laughs> and I thought it was fantastic. Deppin was the heel in this match. Leo was not taking any of his shit, though. Both men kind of have an air of being very even in ability, but in different ways. I don't know a better way to say that. Where Leo may be more adept at high flying or speed, you have Tony, who's more you know sound on the ground, and he has you know more you know so on and so forth. So I would say here that there was a spot where Tony jumped down to the floor and he maybe rips the ring apron. Did you see that part? And I heard as he hit down, you hear like a, like a paper ripping in half. So that's why I thought yeah, too. I, like, man. I don't think he just hit it. Did he just like rip it off the whole apron? And yeah, I was kind I of was wondering the same thing. I was like, well, either that is a true tear of the material or that was the um, like if they had. Uh, oh, shit. What's it called? Um, 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 the rope. Damn it. Damn it. Goes, the, the, uh, no, no. What's the sticky? The I can't believe I'm drawing a blank here on that Velcro. Oh, I yeah. thought maybe it was Velcro. Ripping, oh, yeah. That's you what, know what I mean. Sounded like, too. Yeah. So I don't know if it was a terror rip, but it, it didn't sound good. And I really hope it wasn't the apron because I really like that apron a lot. And yeah, the easy fix is duct tape. You know how that shit goes. And and Dave Prezak, I think, made a comment. It was like, and this is why we can't have nice things because Tony Deppin always <laughs> going to ruin it. No, you're right, too. And Deppin's crowd interaction is top notch. It helps solidify his character as a heel. This match was very busy. There was constantly something going on. Any dine, and any downtime whatsoever, Tony was running his mouth. There was a spot where they go they both go out to the ring and just for a small portion. Uh, wow, I'm tripping over my words here. They basically both go outside the ring for just small portions of time. I thought it was just the right amount. They didn't stay out there. I noticed they really danced well together. There was Leo chance after a kick out at about the 10 minute mark. Deppin can't pin Leo and it's starting to bother Deppin. This is where I was saying a heel should have that extra gear where they get pissed off and they just start to snap. Deppin does that sometimes, and I really do like that about him. Uh, 12 minutes in, and I'm realizing the amount of work both men are putting in are a lot, dude. Deppin moons the crowd towards the end of the match. Leo answers with the win. Leo rush with the top rope splash for the win. I ran through all of that, man, but that's how my notes just were at the time. I didn't know where to stop here, so... Please, please, please share your side of it. That was that was a good five minutes by me. No, I enjoyed, as you said, the back and forth of it because I think they both excelled at different parts of their character, just like you said, where Leo Rush used his speed and agility and quickness to stay one step ahead of Tony Deppin. And I like how, like you said, he didn't wasn't taking Tony's shit. He would go underneath Tony's headlock and turn around and slap him in the back of the head and kind of giving it right back to him. And I think... 
that told a great story with Leo's characters. Like, hey, I'm tired of all these people talking shit about all the time I retired. And Tony, you've said it multiple times. Like, you say that shit, you're going to get a receipt back for it. And right? Tony, of course, like, and I don't care. That That's what the fans want to see me. He's getting receipts. <laughs> I don't give a shit. Um, I, I thought this was a great match as well. Like, I think Tony Depp and excelled at the technical. Leo showed all his quickness and uh, high-flying moves. Um and I think he missed the rush hour. I think that's the one that he like hits the bottom, like sits on the bottom rope and bounces back. Yep. 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 Uh, Tony, Tony kind of backed off of that. Yeah. And I, I liked it cause it, it, and I will go more into later on. Uh, I think it's in the second round. So maybe on the next podcast of how well, Oh no, it's uh, actually during the Res commander match, but during this whole tournament. Now this is the fifth match. I've noticed that a lot of the cool storyline that I've been enjoying with these matches is each wrestler staying one step ahead or, knowing their competitors so much of doing study and film study and made it feel like, Hey, I want to win this tournament. I'm going to watch extra tape on my opponent and be one step ahead and be able to counter all their common signature moves and finishers and stuff. And with this fifth match, we saw that kind of, um, uh, tournament tension. Yeah. Continue throughout, throughout the first, first five matches of this match. And I've enjoyed, uh, all of this, this first five, five uh, matches so far and i'm glad leo does pick up the victory because i did have him going in, on my uh bracket as well and speaking of brackets at this point you were looking really good up until yeah man yeah <laughs> up until later yeah. like, your whole first round was spot on and i uh enjoyed yeah, fingers it. crossed <laughs> fingers crossed so the other thing i wanted to mention in this match especially was i was starting to notice that none of the matches were repeating themselves which can sometimes happen in tournaments and I noticed that a really good effort was made by GCW not to repeat everything. So good job because the fans really do appreciate that. Whether they acknowledge that they're actually seeing that or not, if you see three stage dives, the third, the second and third just don't look as good as the first new fans don't know that, but they, you know, they, they feel it when they see it, but some of these First round matchups could have easily been quarterfinal matchups. Yes. Easily. I uh I almost feel like we got cheated because some of these matches could have damn near went like they really just need to scramble the names and run it again. I know that's not, you know, everything's possible, but they could have scrambled the names and went right at this again. There were a couple guys that they just didn't meet up in the tournament where where they should have. I'd have liked to have seen them kind of you know, and you see, without digging too far into it. Well, that's what I was saying on the last couple prior podcasts. We were talking about this tournament. I really wish they kind of had like a losers bracket where just because it's not one double and done, elimination, we could still see them compete against the new yep. other talent, even though they lost, and still get different variations of matches. So that was kind of like I had that same feeling just going into. Yep. This you remember house. my idea? Yeah, my idea for double elimination yep. would have been killer. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, I mean, at this point, I was yeah, luckily fortunate, firing on all cylinders on the yeah. Um, also, I wanted to mention something now that we're done kind of with this match. Something's wrong with our city, bro. <laughs> we have we have GCW here on Friday, so I'm just going to say something is wrong with our city. I just got something here that I saw from Big Vin, you know, Big fucking yeah. Vin. The, he said, who actually was the sick person who stole the catalytic converter off the Oscar Mayer Wiener truck? That just happened in Vegas. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Who the fuck God. looks at that truck and goes, I'm going to cut the Kelly converter off of that motherfucker. That's just something to be able wow. to say. Wow. Wow. I just, I had to say it because that, what? <laughs> um, also, it looks like 
there was just a match announced for LA. You saw it? Yep. Okay, so here's the main, here's the uh, match that was just signed for LA. We have Charles Mason versus Alley Catch. Thrussy and the Mercenaries are banned from ringside. We got a good old one-on-one here. And um, the last time these two met, she got her ass kicked in pretty hard here. So I'm wondering if this is going to be the return for her. I'm wondering if Charles There's Mason always fuckery. Charles Mason brings in a unknown mercenary at the time. Where it's like, okay, go ahead and get rid of Billy and Pero, but I still have one more ace up my sleeve, and I wonder if that's what we're gonna see. I would huh. like to see him get his comeuppance in LA though. Well, there's there's an angle there somewhere. I'd love to know what it is. The only thing I'm thinking is maybe this is Charles comeuppance from so. Alley. That could be also the other one. And that's generally satisfying. But when they say they're not allowed to be there, you know, that is an open license for the heels to say we're fucking there. Something's going to happen. Going back to Leo, Tony, though, it was awesome. Once again, another great first round matchup and uh, glad to see Leo Rush advance on to the quarterfinals. A catalytic converter on a fucking Wienermobile, bro. (laughs) Who the hell steals that? Las Vegas does. Okay, I'm ready to go on. I just <laughs> I had to hit it one more time. In my head, that's just wow. Wow. That's like yeah, that's like beating up Ronald McDonald. You don't do that. You don't touch the wiener. <laughs> Come on. All right, man. All right. I'm ready to roll. Oh <laughs> uh, <laughs> Dude, come on. Like, how far down does this town go? We're about to have GCW here and someone does that shit. Last time Janela was here, he was in the middle of a shootout. I mean, oh, yeah. it gets crazy here. Uh, that's what what happens in Vegas sometimes does not stay in Vegas. Yeah, like herpes, syphilis, gonorrhea, four different types of the clap. It's all here, man. We got it all. You figured, like, the dry, humid air would kill all that shit? Nope. No, no. Just a warning if you're coming into Las Vegas. It's a little uh, crazy here. Well, to kind of piggyback off of that LA news we just got with uh, Charles Mason going against Ali Catch, we'll go into the sixth first round matchup. Yes. Which is the aforementioned Charles Mason going against Billy Starks. And I know how we all felt going into this one. Fuck him up, Billy. Fuck him up was uh, the chant. And I was actually chanting it at home. I was like, I, I don't know. It's I've said this before, and Veda, I'm so glad I said this multiple times too, and she kind of obviously has a little bit more just uh, better perspective on it than I do, but with Charles Mason and the way he's been kind of manhandling these women, sometimes it has been uncomfortable, and I've said that too, but that's also what makes it such a good story as a heel, and that's why he's yes. been killing it, and once again, going into this match... Mason is so good, though. He's so good. Mm-hmm. Fucking creepy. Like, especially during that this match, he's like licking his fingers, about to get his hands on Billy Starks. But he's so good at what he's doing. Like, it's been incredible right. watching, and I've been loving seeing it. And his wrestling isn't bad either. I don't think we get to see a lot more, a lot of what he can do in the ring in GCW. I've seen a lot more of uh, when he wrestles in House of Glory of what he's able to do in ring work. But. Mm-hmm. The wrestling that he's been doing in GCW hasn't been bad, and it's been perfect for his character. And it's more of a story-based wrestling instead of in-ring maneuvers mm-hmm. and work rate. So I think it's been working perfectly for him as a heel. And as Veda made a mention too, um, I was typing this, and then she said it as I hit enter that I don't know how he wrestles in a suit. And Veda's like, yeah, I think that's what right, makes him right. more creepier because he's doing this in a suit. And <laughs> who the hell could do this? So, um, yeah, this was a... Very story-driven and very personal and emotional match. I enjoyed 
this match a lot. So I noticed right from the get go that Mason come out with that look that he has. I like that look. It's menacing. It really works for him. It almost seems like he's worked on it so hard. It's natural. I love that. Mason goes in for a handshake when they first uh, start this match off. They shake and then Mason licks his own hand. Kind of creepy. Crowd chance, you sick fuck at him. There was another spot that I really did. It was kind of crazy. He drags Billy by her hair around the ring. And he got heavily, like heavy booze for that. What he's doing is working. I'm loving the red and black on Mason. He needs to be the devil. That character would work for him. I know it's kind of out there, but if he wanted to sit behind a desk and sell souls all day and collect souls, he could. He's just one of those guys. He's got to look. The red and the black just showed me that, you know, I I don't know. But one day it needs to happen because he's just so damn good as an evil character. Five minutes in and Mason has mostly been in control. Any attempt, any attempt whatsoever for a comeback from Billy absolutely failed. Veda called Mason a cater waiter. That's Did you hear that? Said. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Here's my ignorance. I was trying to, I heard what she said. What is that? What is that? Uh, he's just basically saying her. She's basically saying that he looks, he's dressed like one of the guys who would be a waiter at a catering event. Okay. Uh, yeah. So that's exactly the, yeah. what it means. Okay. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes I was, I was waiting for a deep dive there instead of just the obvious smack no, in my face. No, straight up right at, you know, right in your face on that one. Um, many heavy handed heels in this tournament. I'm starting to notice there's a lot of heels in GCW right now, and it works. We asked about it and they've made changes, not because of us, but because they felt they needed to make changes. Maybe we were in the same vein at the time, but I feel like it's been helpful. The tension and um, the anticipation that has been brought upon by this tournament has made every single match better. And I will also say the planning beforehand is obvious and it's also made the matches that much better. I am so much more emotionally invested in these matches than I have been for quite a while. And I also wanted to say that as a good thing. Yep. I, I'm the same way. I, I like I said that multiple times already. Like this whole tournament, I've been mm-hmm. every matchup in that first round was story based driven, and that got me more emotionally involved during this tournament. And I really like how uh, when they were on the outside, as uh, Charles Mason was dragging Billy by her hair, he ends up going after Mouse. I kind of like, got into Mouse's face, and uh, oh, really? Yeah, Mouse is uh, yeah, uh, Billy Stark's Billy Stark's dad, and. Uh, that was interesting. I liked how they played into that because I, I thought I was going to get bad. I was like, oh, Charles Mason going to go after Mouse if he doesn't be careful. But I also think Billy Starks has improved so much over like this last year even that I'm still shocked that she isn't signed. Like this is the most can't miss superstar right now, I think, that's not mm-hmm. signed by a company at such a young age where like even Nick Wayne was signed when he was still, what, 17? So yeah. I know Billy Stark's obviously on AEW's radar, but like I just how she's not fully on sign and doing something with Ring sign of Honor. Billy. But what they might be saving her for Ring of Honor. Like I said, I think that's where it's going to be best for her if she goes there to uh, Ring of Honor. Um, sign Billy. Yes, there's been I'll say it over seen, and over. We've seen sign Starboy Charlie at AEW, so why not sign Deppin? <laughs> Sign yes. Billy, sign Jordan Oliver, sign these people because if you don't, someone else will. It's only a matter when. 
and we need to enjoy them while they're around because there's quite a few talents that you can see they're they're blooming and i will go over more of that probably at the next episode tomorrow's episode when we get to like the end of the tournament i kind of had a discussion with my wife about all that stuff of uh what what where what to go where to go from here with some of these wrestlers and what possibly uh Hmm. where they can go with uh their outcomes of this tournament um one other thing too we saw that i didn't see the tree of woe charles mason uh putting billy up in the tree of woe was awesome scene um as well and have you seen like this new movie okay i don't i haven't heard the name but i've seen i've noticed this trend now and it's been quite a few wrestlers i've seen do it and mason was the first okay. one i've seen do it you know like when they're sitting down on the corn in the corner they're like in the raven Raven's position mm-hmm, for a match. Mm-hmm. He's just in the corner. How they grab him yeah. by the arms, lift him up, and then like either do they it twist. to a fireman's carry and like like they lift oh, the yes, competitor yes. all the way up and like turn it into like some sort of pop up or like in my notes I wrote pull up power bomb or pull up right, uh, DVD. Right. I didn't know what to call it because but I've seen a lot more wrestlers use that move and it's been a while since I think the last move I could think of is the Code Red where. Everybody's oh, yeah. doing Code Red and Destroyers nowadays. And I haven't seen a move kind of catch on a little, like, as much as I've seen this one. Because now I've seen it almost on every single show uh, of the week when I'm watching wrestling. I've seen it used at least right. one time throughout the night. And I haven't seen this move, like, ever. And I think it just started catching on, like, right around November. But I've been loving seeing that kind of variation. Especially seeing a move in my face happen, like the Code Red and the Destroyer. Because that's not a common move. But I think now... I love the different variations that these wrestlers are lifting these or pulling up these opponents into and using it as a power bomb, a DVD, a spine buster, uh, a destroyer, a code red itself. So that's a, one of these new moves I'm very much enjoying watching. And I can want to see that keep on seeing the different variations that each wrestler uh, uses this move with. Well, it leaves a lot of area open for optional shit. Like you're saying, they could twist, they could this, they could that. I'm with you, man. It's really cool to see something that's new and workable for everyone in some way or another. It's it's spawned, what, 15, 20 different names, I'm sure, between different wrestlers who have used it in some way or another. And Yeah. You know, I, maybe I more, heard maybe exactly. less. I just I got to start hearing, like, hearing what it's called. Like, I just, like I said, Romano, pull up something, like pull up question mark. I don't know. It's not a pop up, but it's kind of like a pull up right, right. DVD or something. Well, good eye on that because I see him all the time and I've never thought about that. That's kind of funny. But I just feel like it's been recent often. for me. I don't know why. Like maybe I'm just now noticing it, but like for in my opinion, that's just like a recent new move I've been seeing done all well, over. Well, it's like the ripcord was new a while too, back. Yeah, now you yep. see the ripcord everywhere. And then everyone's without a sling blade and stuff like that. Yeah. Oh, the yeah. I won't even mention the thigh slap. Halfway <laughs> through the match has seen Billy getting beaten all over the ring and around it. About minute seven, Billy tries to make a small comeback. There's a spot where Mason fakes an injury, goes the outside. He grabs a liquid and spits it in Billy's face, momentary blinding her. Twice, Mason took some very hard falls, falls and the fans chanted, you deserve it. And I love, I love that. Yep, I love it, too. <laughs> I had that in my notes. I, crowd yelling, you deserved it whenever he, got, yeah. <laughs> whenever he got dropped outside. I'm all for it. So I'm noticing that like minute 11... And Billy starts taking some major damage. Somehow she takes, shakes it off easily, but then she eventually goes back down. This match turns more even in the second half, and the heel-face sympathy dynamic was well played in this match. I do want to say that. We called it here first, or we called it 
where we thought that Billy was going to get matched up with Mason because we felt this heel face sympathy dynamic would be so um, beneficial to both characters. And here we are. And it looks like it did a very good job. It pulled a lot out of the crowd. Yeah. uh, Even on commentary too, Veda made a lot of great points and like she was getting pretty like in depth and detail of like how it's getting hard to watch Mason just beat up this young talent and Billy Starks and ruin kind of what she has in the future. But him not caring just shows how much of an asshole he really is. I, once again, commentary was awesome. And Prezak at this time, too, mentioning that whoever does advance this, who they're going to go against. I forgot who they were going against, but saying that both of these competitors after this hard-fought match are going to be sore and sporting injuries going into the match. Oh, and yeah. Like I just love the commentary throughout this whole night. This might have been the best commentary, like, and for actual analysis and knowledge, especially for tor- tor- tournament format, the best I've heard in a long time from GCW. Um, one thing I noticed during this match, too, I I think I'll talk to you about it either yesterday or maybe I texted to you or something. But after seeing how good Charles Mason's doing right now and how well mm-hmm. Blake's been doing as a character, I want to see those two kind of team up. And I kind of... I had some other competitors like have Mason and he's going to get some new mercenaries now. And it's good. Like I would like to see Blake be number one, like number one hitman, And those two just kind of creating the super heel stable. Cause those are the two probably and Tony Deppin, but Tony Deppin is just going to do his own little thing. I don't think he needs to be involved in this group, but I think between Charles Mason and Blake Christian, you could kind of create a very similar to what we've seen before faction in GCW that kind of ran rough shot through all of GCW for a long period of time and mm-hmm. ruined stuff. But if you ask a lot of GCW fans, they say they were a lot. <laughs> what? And ruined stuff. Yeah. But I mean, that's I like what it. gets like us it. invested right. in. And um, it's working. And the story to, like that was just a long story. And that was like kind of in the main event with Nick Gage and stuff. But I think with, with the heat that Mason and Blake have been getting recently, if you team them up, and kind of have them run and ruin a lot of good stuff that GCW is doing just on purpose and storyline. I think that would get the fans a lot more invested because I know, like I said, like when I talk to old or hear some even old GCW fans talk about, they don't feel as invested now as they did back when that one group was destroying everything in GCW, but it gave every, every show felt important. Like how are they going to fuck this up or, Oh, are they finally going to get their comeuppance and get what they deserve? But the fans were way more emotionally involved in that storyline. And I think that Mason and Christian just, that was the one thought I had after this match was those two could be a great team, just kind of destroying G kind of like destroying GCW from within. And then what I would do just for fun counterpoint, I would put Blake with Deppin and they would be matched because they're two assholes who could care less. Like, Lottie da type characters like, yeah, fuck it. I got to go out here and do this, but you know what? I'll just go do it, handle business and we're out of here. And like, they both agree that it's all bullshit and that's how they became friends. Like the only reason I say that is because Tony is still obnoxious, but he does such a good job as he, as a heel. But what I've noticed is that all three of those major heels, they smile and they all smile differently. And I think that really does matter too. Mason has the best smile. He's the most evil. And it seems like Deppin, Deppin has the second most evil smile. Even when he enjoys what he's doing, you can see he can, he can be evil. And then Blake Christian. Yeah. I would say he'd come in last on this one, but he's just now finding himself. I think that if he gets booed straight up for the next 20, 30 matches, 
he's going to be a well-developed heel by that point because the heat is coming now. It was not, he could not have gotten this heat six months ago. You on know, the that. mic even. Yeah. He tried on the mic. He tried. And could not even get close to it. That wasn't his original. So we were right. Actions worked and yep. the microphone didn't. Yep. I like, I've always said that every time you said it and every time we've seen Blake, you have never been more right. That's like one of the spot on most spot on things. That I think I've heard you say on this podcast, because as soon as you said it, it happened and now we're seeing it happening like we kind of wish now it would have he would have been doing this when he was going against moxley i, I would want to see this version go against moxley way more than i saw all heart slash graveheart going against moxley and we all said it in love too we said it because we actually meant hey we want to see this guy do well here's our ideas we throw it out there and somewhere in the atmosphere the universe must have heard it and it's it's worked yeah and he's going to get at least it appears that it works so I think he's so talented he's going to get anything over. He just needed to find the right thing, and I think he found it, and it's yep, been wa- yep. fun watching him. That's why I think it would be fun or more fun watching him and kind of Charles Mason just keep on ruining tag title matches like Mason has or Blake being upset that Masha wins. Maybe he'll interfere whenever Masha goes against Gage and kind of, once again, just get the fans against him, and that's how he's going to get his shot against Gage. He's just going to come in and take mm-hmm. it. He's going to tired of earning it and he's earned it for a while. And now he's just going to take what he thinks he deserves because he's that good. And I just think they could do a lot of stuff there with those two. And I don't know. That's just one little thing I was thinking of while watching this. Match. The only thing, and this is old school, but the only thing that would have got Charles over even more would have been if Billy cried. If she would have gotten frustrated and cried and just broke down, this crowd would have been eating out of the palm of her hand. I was thinking that choke spot when he had her kind of hanging from the hanging choke uh-huh. in the corner. I thought uh-huh. that was going to be a spot where she would not cry, but like maybe pass out. And then like Mouse would go in. The kinda... fans were pissed. Yeah. I was like, And then because that previous interaction with Mouse, I was like, oh, maybe Mouse like kind of breaks his camera guy character. Not that like he's a part of the show, but he kind of right. like would go right. in and check on her. And he would basically would come back in and put the boots to Mouse to even get extra heat. But uh that could possibly happen in the future. Who knows? Well, overall, both played their parts really well in this match. Charles Mason ended up winning with the spinning tombstone pile driver. He was playing a creep really well. It works just as well as playing a basic evil, evil heel. Fans really hated it, and that was the point. Again, I think it brought another level of creep. That creepiness brought another level to him to where... Oh shit, it's another female. Is he going to be weird on Allie? Is he going to be weird on this girl? Is he going to act weird? To, you know, and people don't like that shit. And he so was like, even saying, like, I've been waiting for this moment a long time. Like, right, was, right, right. <laughs> I don't want to say what I'm thinking, but I was like, even a little bit way too creepy. I'm like, nah, eh. no, you know what though? You know, because they all agree to this. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, it was a nice, it was a nice, um, it was different and it played on people's emotions in this weird way because she's young and whatnot and it worked so good for them. They did this together and it, it came out really, uh, really well. Billy did a great job in her role. Fans cheer her and her efforts. She's basically helped out of the ring. You know, the, the referee, I think gave, gave her a hand there at the, at the end. So yeah, everybody did their part in this one and it went over well again, 14 minutes on this one. I just wanted to mention an average wrestling match for GCW can run somewhere between maybe 10 and 12 minutes, sometimes a little more. The average match time on here was about 15 minutes. Everybody breathed. Every single match breathed. And I thought it was fantastic. 
For the seventh first round match, we have Commander versus Ares. And yeah, this was once again another match I was looking forward to, but I, I was actually up top. This was probably the one match I was really looking forward to that I'd never seen before. Um, since I was my main match I was looking forward to was our next match that we'll cover the main event of Gresham versus uh, Speedball, but we've seen that match before. So I wasn't as excited as I was seeing this first time matchup. For myself, like I said, this uh, they did mention that they have wrestled a lot in the past, and um, I had just never seen it before. So for me, seeing this these two go at it for the first time, I was really looking forward to it. And this match, in my opinion, as uh, we were kind of just saying, in my opinion, this match delivered. This was awesome. It was so innovative, creative. But I think the main part of the main reason I really enjoyed this match is the way they built and laid out this match of telling kind of four different tiered stories um, of their moves and moveset and stuff like that. And uh, I'll kind of get over to some of the stuff I saw after you go over some of your notes, because I know I've been hogging up this uh, Commander versus Arez, but what was your thoughts on this match? Yeah, so I would have put this between my number one or number two, but the Shelly match was just such a complete match from many different angles. Like if there were 25 boxes for a wrestling match, I felt like, the Shelly match just checked up a couple more. Otherwise, this match would have been my number one. It was damn good from the beginning. Commander comes out looking like a million bucks. His outfit outfit is like damn near WrestleMania level. If you see it, it has a beautiful look to it. Otteres always comes out with these different masks. I'm a big fan of masks. I love the designs he has on his. Both of these men could be full-time in GCW, and I'm sure no one would complain. And you- Absolutely not. And you know what Arez did again with the mask? Put it on the pole. Yep, facing the camera. That was the first thing I looked for during this match after you called it out last episode. I was like, hold yep, on, let me look yep. for it. And I saw it. I was like, holy shit, he did it again. That's that's such a good catch. Yeah. And and well, thanks, man. And uh, th- I've noticed also that with these two, there was such an amount of respect that the fans were already producing Lucha chants within the first minute. It was really incredible. I like the spot where Arez was clapping with Commander's hands like Tony Deppen does. Then he put it into a pendulum, which is the move I always talk about. Then the reversed pendulum. Then the pendulum was reversed again. That I have never seen. That- never seen a triple reversed pendulum. I don't know a better way to put it. First note in my notes on this match was I absolutely loved the pendulum spot. It was crazy to see. I had the same thing. I didn't write this, but I'd never seen it before either. Like that was insane how they just went from Arez having control to Commander to Arez again. Like I thought it was so creative and the great Lucha Libre style that we've been seeing from GCW lately. And they're so fluid at times. They look like they're dancing. I noticed that over and over. I would look away for a minute and I'd look back up and you'd see them spinning together. And I'm like, geez. Both seem to know each other and count each other's moves frequently. Um, Just go watch this match, honestly. I can't describe some of these moves, admittedly, and the action is so fast, I could not keep up. I felt Ares was the veteran between these two, but I'm really unsure. Minute nine, Ares tells the crowd, fuck you, and now we have a heel. So at this point, yeah, Ares is the heel. Everybody wants Commander to win, but we're all enjoying the show. There were holy shit chants after a fabulous twisting moonsault off the top rope from Commander. And the last three minutes of this are nothing but huge spots. Please go watch the match. Pay attention to the last three minutes. A lot of the highlights you saw on Twitter and Facebook and social media came from this match. 
especially the last three minutes of it. So I'll just go ahead and roll through it real quick because I'm already there. Our winner ended up being Commander. He runs the rope and does a top rope twisting Phoenix splash. To the best of my ability, that's what I can call it. Um, if you have a better name for it, B, you tell me, but that's that's what I saw. <laughs> that's why I wrote I like I wrote he walked across the the ropes and hit the Phoenix splash with like exclamation points. Yep. Like I, I that was incredible too. Like and once again, we talked about how he could just be lazy, not be lazy, but be complacent and hey just walking the ropes is incredible enough but now he's walking the ropes and launching himself to the outside doing uh mm-hmm. hurricane ranas or he's doing a phoenix splash to the outside he's doing a backflip inside to a competitor on the ground he is using these ropes as we kind of seen by kingo as well to his advantage but also being so creative and changing it up every single time of what kind of move we see them perform off the top rope and that's why Commander's been a hit every single time he's been in GCW. Um, I also really um, hold on. Uh, liked... So here's how I envisioned this first this match went. Like, the whole first part mm-hmm. of the match, it was kind of like a back and forth. Um, I'm going to counter your stuff, your counter mine. And then the second part of the match, they kind of stayed one step ahead of each other, where um, Commander, when he blocked Arez's roll through, like, you know, when Arez goes to the outside and then rolls back inside. Yes. And Commander and he blocked it. Blocked it. And this was right after Arez, as Commander went to the top rope and was about to do like some rebound or um, kind of like he does um, that. What's that move that Jeff Hardy does? Um, not Twist of Fate when he kind of goes to the back. Oh my God. Okay. Whatever. Like when he does the the whatever. Jump, that's a good one. Jumps on the uh, jumps on the rope and then does the the spinning kick and lands on him. Oh my god! Oh, it's hard yet. I know it's right a, off the top okay. of my head. It's but okay. Commander kind of does that move. They're very similar. So as soon as Commander walked up to the ropes, you see Arez kind of look up and is like, "No, fuck this!" and roll through. And as he did his roll through, as he went to stand up, he did his like kind of cool standing up. So. Now, the second part of the match, they stayed one step ahead of each other. And then in the third mm-hmm. match, or I'm sorry, in the third part of the match, they now were cu- trying to go to the moves that they've never done before to try to stay still one step ahead of their, their, uh, the competitors. And just seeing the back and forth and how they built the story, I, I loved the story building. I thought it was great of how they started the match, middle of the match, and end of the match because it just showed, and as Nick Knowledge pointed out, how familiar these two are with each other from, uh, I think he said their matches in Mexico. I'm not 100% on that. But like just... I, I just love it. And I've been loving Arez. Arez has been killing it. I can't wait to see Arez and Commander team up after this match going against East West Express. Like, I'm super excited what that's going to hold for us mm-hmm. out here in Vegas on Friday. Um, and just the one other... I can't find it. Oh, yeah. So, the finger lock, finger lock suplex. Did you see when they did that? They had the finger locks. Like, they had, like, the, oh. the, the, the test of strength. And they yeah. turned that into a suplex, like just by off of the fingers. Like, yeah. once yeah. again, just super creative shit I've never seen before. And these two, I, like I said, and this was in my opinion, this was my favorite match other than Speedball. Like, first time seeing these two, favorite match of the first round that I've never seen before because they killed it. And I just loved how they told a story throughout this match. And the crowd chanting Ultra Vest and Arez playing heel, like just overall, there's so much good on this match and mm-hmm. I enjoyed it. The fans can't say they weren't entertained. It's a cliche, but if you didn't like that, then you probably won't like wrestling. It had so much stuff going on in there. There were Lucha, Li- uh, Lucha Libre chants as the crowd showered both men with money. 
this was there was a lot of respect total entertainment a lot of love from the fans run it back anytime oh yeah absolutely and I, like at that point too in my notes I'm like holy shit we're still in the first round of this night because this match was Dude. in my mind like top yeah. of the line I, I thought it was i said it's going to be hard to top this match then i forgot speedball and gresham were afterwards and they pretty much tore the house down as well but i'm not going to take anything away from our resident commander this was an incredible match and i hated to lose our res this early in the tournament but i think kind of like speedball's getting all the cool matches on collective i think mm-hmm. our res is going to have a lot of matches collective i think i would like to see him kind of like almost on every single card performing because he's been killing it in these single and matches. he deserves to work yes and he's been he absolutely proven himself that's what my point was he's proven a solid yes. spot on the collective but this also goes to show how good gcw's been doing lucha libre like in the states mm-hmm. there's no one doing lucha libre better in the states than gcw and i don't think it's even close right now of the actual lucha libre style of wrestling and what I can't GCW think of is providing. Yeah. Outside of AAA, yeah. like other than what I've been seeing lately in AAA, they've been killing it and doing a very good job uh, these last few months as well. I just think that GCW in America, in the States, there's no one doing Lucha Libre better. And I'm so glad to see it. I'm once again glad that it, that is the um, kind of the main event of the collective, the last show of the world on Lucha. Because after seeing this match, I'm this. There's not going to be a boring match on that card, I think. I got one for you. So when the match was going on here with Commander Inares, there was a spot where I don't know if it was Veda or who said he was a Skywalker. Um, That is so cool. And if it wasn't for shooting Skywalker, that was going to be 100 percent shoot for Commander to have a name like the Skywalker as a move or as a nickname. And the reason why I wanted to go on this was because back in 86 or 87, there was a scaffolding match that's really famous that went out there that um, I believe had the Rock and Roll Express versus the Midnight Express, possibly. This is the one where Cornette fell off of the scaffolding and broke both of his knees. Okay, that pay-per-view was called The Night of the Skywalkers. And I always thought that was a cool fucking name, especially during the Star Wars era. I'm like seven years old and i'm like oh my god you know we've never ordered a pay-per-view in our life we didn't have money for that shit but i was like oh my god and i cried the night on saturday night because i didn't get a chance to see the night of the skywalkers and i ended up funny thing watching that match like 20 odd maybe 30 years later one day and it was it wasn't bad (laughs) but uh i don't think it was worth crying over but yeah it had some famous spots in there and i'm happy i went and seen it but to feature lucha one night It'd be cool to really have like a lot of the high flyers, even down to Matthew Justice, bring the Night of the Skywalkers out where everybody just does their shit. Interesting. I, I thought so, as soon as I heard Skywalker, I was like, ooh, shooting Skywalker in this match as a triple threat. That'd be fun. Like my, oh, my. My, my mind went to, of course, booking mode again. And all right, who do I want to see Skywalker go against? Commander, Arez, who else? Yep. I was thinking calling Commander Skywalker or having a move called the Skywalker would just be fantastic. I mean, what he does, like this ending, I, the, that top rope, uh, walking across the top rope and launching himself into a Phoenix Flash, that was crazy. Like, I, I don't understand how he does that. Like, is, and I, is he the, he's the only one I see now walking the ropes without unassisted. Like, that's insane. I'm, I don't, hmm. I, I mean, I guess I know why a lot more wrestlers don't do it because it's kind of very, very, very hard, obviously, as he's the first one I've ever yeah. seen being able to do it with unassisted. 
And as often as he does it in this night, uh, especially after this win, he kind of does it a lot more throughout the night. Um, I don't understand how he still is able to keep that balance and leg strength to do all the stuff that he does. And the creativity, like I said, to switch it up to a Phoenix Flash, a 450, an outside Hurricane Rana. Like, he's just being so creative with it. And I've been loving it. And I love this match. Like I said, sad to see our res go. But uh, hopefully we'll see a lot more of him in the collective weekend. And Commander now moves on to face the winner of our next matchup. And it is the last match of Jersey Cup or Jersey J Cup Session 1. As it is Speedball Mike Bailey going against the Octopus Jonathan Gresham. Part 3 of their GCW trilogy and i like i said earlier i had goosebumps during the interest especially seeing um gresham come out the octopus i the crowd chanting speedball during his i was super super excited heading into this match i we said it when we covered on the last two they need to wrestle three four five six seven more times three matches is not enough for these two um let him go yeah yeah and the funny part, uh, one of the funnier comments, like right before, right when the match started, Veda was making a comment about spoiling something, and she goes, "Ah, I don't care if I spoil it. If you don't want to be spoiled, Bola. is that what it was?" Yeah. Okay. She was talking about how Speedball was having an issue with uh, getting to Bola twenty three on time. Oh, and then he, he had a first day. Yeah, he had a Russell part two. Yeah. Yeah. So he basically had to start from the beginning and work all the way through that tournament in one day. Yeah, and I, I didn't know to catch that uh, when I was reading the Bowler reports and stuff, too. So that was kind of a cool thing. But And she said, you don't want to be spoiled. Go catch it live. And it was perfect timing because, I, as I told you uh, before we recorded this, um, I was spoiled on this kind of with the winner of the whole tournament before I even saw the Jacob. <laughs> I, I, well, so, as you know, when I don't watch these shows live, like I mute Twitter. I don't go on Twitter. I yep. don't want any spoilers. I just, whenever I'm able to watch and sit down and enjoy it, I do it. And like, I did it super late Saturday night. Like the whole show was over. And as soon as I got home, um, my wife goes like, oh, you've been, you've been avoiding Twitter, right? You've been, you haven't watched it. I'm like, no, I haven't. Like, <laughs> okay, good, good. I'm glad you didn't see nothing. I'm like, uh-huh. They just spoiled the winner feeling. for me. And she's like, no. And she doesn't have a good poker face. I'm like, right, you're right. spoiling That's it. Great. And then she tried to change the subject too. But I was like, no. <laughs> and it's so <laughs> funny because as this happened, this happened before. And two and a half hours later, when I'm watching this show, Veda's talking about it. I'm like, damn, I can't be wife I'm mad that, or be mad at my wife for spoiling it then because Veda just said, if I didn't want to be spoiled, I should have been there live. And uh, this is one of those ones I might have. <laughs> there's like two shows I would go to. Uh, at, well, this say is in atlantic city but i want to go catch a tos and ac and mm-hmm. this jacob if it becomes a regular i would, would like to go check out the next one because it just it was so incredible to watch and um speedball versus gresham to end out round one absolutely put the cherry on top for the great action that round one had in the jersey jacob i also like that they usually all have hotel packages i'm kind of going off for a second i want to go out east coast too I miss the East Coast, dude. Hey, have you you've been out there for New York, man? That attitude is different than the West Coast. I loved New York. People are more genuine when it comes to their emotions on the East Coast. People just hit their emotions head on in public in the East Coast. West Coast, they're a little more kind about that stuff. Yeah, I I had uh, some sayings. I was telling my wife out there between um, how New York is compared to out here in Vegas. But I every second of the two days we were in. 
uh new york for hammerstein i loved every bit of it and i would love to go back even without hammerstein just to keep on do what i what i did during new york and just walk around times square and go get pizza or go get all these nice restaurants and go check out maybe a broadway right. show here or there like it looked a lot of fun um well las vegas has something that new york don't you know that what you know what we have the fucking catalytic converter oh, of a goddamn wienermobile <laughs> <laughs> well that's funny too my wife just sent me a text as we're recording this like hey beetlejuice uh from broadway out in new york is going to be out here at the smith center coming out here soon and i'm a giant beetlejuice nice. fan so i'm like oh i gotta go yeah. to that <laughs> but i was like well, oh there goes my era, excuse man. yeah that go there goes my excuse to go back to new york and catch a catch a live beetlejuice on broadway well, what i'm doing right now is i'm anticipating because might as well let people know who are listening we're in, I'm at least anticipating now doing what you do be, which is kind of getting out to those LA shows when they come out. So it'll be kind of nice at some point if, uh, you know, we start to just make those frequent. And so what I did was I went ahead and started saving money and I'm going to probably end up going to less local shows and going to more GCW when it comes to LA, cause we do a podcast. So it makes more sense for us to show up there and say hi and have a good time than you know, me to maybe have to stretch the budget to get there. Just, you know, maybe have to just drop a couple local shows, sadly. But um, it's just I'm having a good time with everything. And after definitely. the last few GCW shows in L.A., it's been incredible too. like oh, based yes, off of just that Lucha action alone. But um, yeah, it's been fun. The L.A. shows. I, I'm actually really looking forward to Saturday, too. Um, going back Friday and Saturday. Oh, yeah, Friday. I'm sorry. I'm all oh, pumped. I'm Friday all pumped. Too, we got yeah. Vegas and LA. I'm, Our I'm podcast ex- is going to be at both. So we're I'm, happy. I'm excited to see VXS back in action. I really want to see what kind of production they bring to the stream on fight TV. Like I'll probably go home and watch it that night before waking up to go drive to LA on Friday night. You know, it's worth talking about now. Cause this is going to go out obviously before the Friday show. Um, VXS is back and they're really busting their asses to put on a good show for everyone. So if you are in the Las Vegas area, I mean, you're a GCW fan, you probably already know all this, but feel free to have a couple people come out because GCW live shows are where the fans are generally made. I can pull almost anyone out to a live GCW show. They'll be a fan by the end of the night. Guaranteed. I've taken people to the show. They were like, as soon as this show comes back to town, let me know. And I've told I you. I have never seen a live person be sad about a show. I'm the same way. We brought our friend who hasn't watched wrestling forever. He, we, he went to the first one and enjoyed it earlier this year or last year. And we said, hey, GCW's coming back. He's like, can you give me a ticket? Can you give me a ticket? And yeah. as I've said to you before in the past, GCW, a live viewing experience has kind of ruined watching traditional wrestling live and in person as well because the energy of the crowd, the, the how you feel a part level. of the show, the excitement level. But like AEW kind of has that for me as well still too because the crowds are always just nonstop chanting and yelling and that's kind of how GCW has been as well. So I, I kind of agree with you with like just the LA shows and stuff. Like it's been kind of worth it going out there and watching. Uh, especially at the LA crowd, they're, they're something else as well, so. It's just we don't have enough and we need more. So the other part is I feel like as a GCW podcast, it only makes sense to go out there and support the company when they do come to our area. Four hours isn't that far out. I'd I'd consider that our area. So we'll take Southern Cal. I would like to see Las Vegas maybe in in a different capacity down the road. And maybe Phoenix down the road, because we haven't seen Phoenix yet. And I think that would be a decent little uh, spot to put on a show. 
They've yeah. never been that market's never been touched. LA people, Las Ve- Las Vegas people could come down. It's close enough to San Diego, they can come over. Yeah, I, I think they're going to be doing some more shows out here. And I like how they put out their calendar tentatively now, but still adding yes. dates in between already planned dates, which has been a nice, pleasant surprise as we were one of the shows added on to the L- before the LA show. It wasn't on there before. Then now we get to see one one more time in Vegas before LA, uh, GCW and VXS. This match, though, I Speedball Bailey, like I, how they're going to follow up the first two. I was very interested to see because that's a lot to live up to. And as we've kind of seen in some of these trilogy matches or best of sevens, best of fives, whatever you want to do with these uh, multiple times of the same wrestlers going against each other. It's always hard of how you're going to keep the fans invested in the third time seeing the same two, especially in a short amount of time while not doing the same moves and kind of doing what they're used to kind of varying it right. up. And Luckily, I think between both of these competitors, especially Gresham, he has a lot more, I think, um, especially on the groundwork, a lot of more creativity and moves that he's able to do that that we haven't seen before going against Mike Bailey. I think that kind of lent the advantage to him a little bit more. But these two were just beating the dog piss out of each other. Like I, the chop battle that they had was, in, oh, yeah. was insane. Like I could not believe how they were just going to town on the chops and the slaps. And um, when Gresham had uh, speedball on the ground and was delivering those elbows to him, kind of like uh, uh, Will Ospreay, when he kind of does that elbow too, like mm-hmm. I, I thought he knocked out Bailey on the first one. I was like, holy shit. And Bailey kicked out and then he did it again. <laughs> Bailey kicked out. He did it again. Bailey kicked out. I was waiting for the one count after the third one. I'm like, give me, this is one of these times where just one counts. Like, hey, motherfucker, that move's not going to not going to work no more. Switch it up and like just kick, kick out of the yeah. counter one. This was an crazy, incredible match. Like those are just two spots that stood out to me uh, during it before you get into your notes. And this was, I think this was, you said, well, you said Jordan versus Shelly, but yeah, this one ended up being my match of uh, session one, especially in the first round, even more than our resin commander. But I think for what all four did and in their individual matches was incredible as they both told two stories in two different styles of wrestling. Okay. So for me, if there was going to be what I would consider a potential solid main event match, these two together would probably be one of the best combinations we'd have as a main event in GCW in a long time when it comes to having a solid match between both of them. Speedball came out to speedball chance. There were dueling chants to start the match. Both started with a handshake. So, of course, we at least have some honor to all of this. Both men early put on a clinic in excellence of execution. I know that's also been said before, but you really could see that here. If you wanted to see what a textbook leg lock would look like, he was doing it. A headlock, it was out there also. Gresham slaps in like a two-minute leg lock at one point. Bailey attempts to rope break, but fails three times. The whole thing was sold well. Bailey always sells well. I wanted to mention that. I've seen him sell so well, even after a match, that he makes it look so good. And again, I try to report what's going on in these matches. I say a two-minute leg lock. It does not sound exciting. If you knew how those two wrestle, you would know. A two-minute leg lock can be very exciting. If it's done right, these two did it right from the beginning. Uh, both men seem to have equal control in this match for about the first 10 minutes. And then the 10 minute mark was more or less a slug out. 
I'll stop at the 10 minute mark and let you talk. <laughs> no, that 10 minute, as you said, that's where it started. All the slugging comes in. And like most of my notes were from that part because there was just stiff chops. And like even Gresham was taking leg kicks or taking kicks right to the chest. And man, like they, these two just absolutely beat each other up. And like, I just love to one another spot when Bailey goes for the triangle uh, moonsault to the outside. Like mm-hmm. he caught Gresham, but Gresham rolled through it and turned it into an ankle lock. And I don't know if that's oh. the same ankle lock you were talking about on the outside, but like he had yep. Bailey in for like a two minute ankle lock on the outside. That's it. Yeah, Bailey that's struggling, it. trying to get in and Gresham's like, no, we're out here. But then commentary did a very good job. It's like, Hey, you can't win the match out here. You're not going to advance. You got to get him in the ring. And they were saying like, once again, going back to the urgency of you don't want to get disqualified during this kind of match or else you're out of the tournament forever. And I just think uh, these two played other than it just being the trilogy and they want to see who the better man is having that extra carrot of who advances to the tournament. And now, especially since um, speedball has won Bola, I think this kind of was another uh, point for Gresham to kind of step it up and kind of, he had to step up to Mike Bailey's uh, level here. And if we want to even go further into this, uh, these two kind of going at it, Impact has announced that they're going to be wrestling uh, Gresham oh, you know that. for Impact. And like that's going to be another match. And I'm all for it because, like I said, beginning, I, it's here again in my notes. Three matches are not enough for these two. I can see these two wrestle all the time, and it's been fun and entertaining. And I'm glad that this isn't the last time we're going to see it, even though it might be the last time in GCW we see it. I'm glad at least Impact was will kind of continue on with this rivalry in their show, even though they're probably not going to call back to anything done in GCW. It would be kind of cool if they did, just to kind of acknowledge that, hey, there are other companies mm-hmm. out here, like how AEW mm-hmm. does lately. I've been enjoying that, so maybe GCW could get a nice little rub of being the first ones to kind of put these two in a trilogy-style matchup and Impact and kind of piggyback off of it. Give me a five. Give me five matches. They tie two and two, and on the fifth match... We give them a best of five. Okay. I was going to go Iron Man. <laughs> like make that last match an hour long Iron Man. Well, you know what though? That could be good and bad because you know, we'd probably lose a lot of the non hardcore people along the way. Yeah. So I would see where a best of five, you know, best of five falls could be very exciting. Also, I wanted to mention here that if you wanted to study selling, these two really did it right. You can't just fuck around with a two a two minute leg hold like he did there. He he put a lot of performance in that to make sure that thing looked good. There was a lot of struggle that yeah, went on there. That's awesome. And yeah, and that never comes across in my notes. So I always feel like I'm a little behind when it comes to more of these technical matches because I go, well, you know, it was a clothesline. Yeah, but I can't describe the way he delivered that clothesline and how the guy really reacted after he took the clothesline. But in this match, it was very grounded. It's strike heavy. They brawled a lot. I felt like this was a very 80s style flare match without the blood and the outside fighting, honestly. So if you'd seen an old NWA match from back in the day, seen an old flare match, this was what it was like. A two minute hold here or there, you know, a choke hold here. It, it, it's really what it was. You weren't going to the top rope. You weren't always on, uh, not always on the outside. I don't want to go too far there because Flair really did like to get into the crowd every now and then, but that's what it, this could have been on NWA TV in the eighties. Yeah. But with the rest holds the drama, it just, that's what it seemed to me was something we would have seen 20, 25 years ago. And I mean that in a good way. And I loved Gresham 
focusing on that one body part. Like that's Gresham. Yep. That's that's his bread and butter. And even when like I've always loved it too. Whenever he kind of like sometimes will fake a chop up high, and you see the wrestler go up, and then he'll chop mm-hmm. him down on the leg. Or like right now, ba- Bailey's legs hurt, and he just chopped right for the leg. And like he's just so creative and smart, and how he gets these holds on these wrestlers to kind of still hit like the same pressure point, the same joint manipulation. Um, yeah, I was just actually watching the slap fight, slap battle again. Just sitting there, just holding, the, holding each other's, or no, Gresham was holding Bailey's point, just slapping like that. That was crazy. This this match was fantastic. Once again, these two delivered, just like I think we both knew they would. Um, and well, another move that uh, not Speedball Gresham did that we kind of talked about, we haven't seen in a while was uh, the backpack stunner. He kind of we were talking about how Cole Radic does the backpack stunner. Uh, except this time it was Gresham who kind of did the same way that Cole did. He wrapped him, like, countered an arm movement, held his arm behind his back, rolled to the front, grabbed it, and boom, dropped it as it's done. It was great watching Gresham do it. Yeah. I doubt it. I doubt he listened, but I felt oh, special. Yeah. I went, maybe, maybe he heard it. Well, we talked you know, so Maybe much, I was so praying or something. And, <laughs> you know, the wrestling, the wrestling god was like, okay, you got to give it to him. So, I don't know. Maybe, maybe the god of wrestling, Gresham, heard it and, you know. I actually just called him a god of wrestling. At the hey, areas, he's going you know, gonna to have to prove it on the collective here because... Well, wait, wait another did you say Bailey or Gresham? Sorry. Gresham. Oh, Gresham, yeah. I just called him a god. I'm like, well, you know, give him another 10, 20 years. He might as well just rise up from there and just be called a god because, wow. Way boy, better. If god. That, mm, no, just in my head, it was just flashing how dangerous that guy is and, and what he's capable of. Yeah, these two found a chemistry that, like... I, I thought yeah, they'd just be works. good, but I didn't think they'd be three matches, 20 minutes each good and main eventing yeah. and ending this first round because I was this was incredible. And I'm surprised that they only did one round during each uh, during session one, because that just means in the last like three hours, they're going to have to wrestle three times. I thought that was going to be kind of brutal. But and there's going to be a lot less time in between matches because a lot less mm-hmm. people in the tournament. Um I I enjoyed it. I thought this was a great way to end session one. I don't think we said the winner, but uh, Speedball does pick up the victory of Regression with the Flamingo Driver. And um, I was kind of shocked. I actually, well, I guess I wasn't shocked. My original <laughs> thought, so what? I, here's my original thought. I got ahead of myself. In my bracket, I put Speedball because I think Gresham is going to win their match in Impact Wrestling because mm-hmm. Gresham's just kind of coming back and Speedball kind of just lost the, uh, the X Division Championship and is kind of building his way back up. And I just think it would be perfect way for have Gresham get back into the title scene in Impact. And so I thought he's going to win in Impact, so Speedball's definitely going to win in GCW to kind of keep that evenness out and stuff like that. Um, but these two... Incredible, incredible storytelling. As you said, Mike Bailey does so well selling, especially after the match where, as we see when we go into the next episode, he starts round two and uh, comes out limping and selling that leg hardcore, which crazy. I still don't understand how he wrestles with no shoes on, especially against a wrestler like Gresham, like like with the joint. After, I want to see Gresham just going after sometime. two. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and doors. And I've all seen him slip wood. on liquid. I don't know how the hell he does it, but that's his style. Good for him. Like I said, I stub my toe and I'm like, want to cry for four hours. Like I can't be I on can't. gravel for more than a couple oh seconds. Oh my god! Yeah. Like fucking. Well, also I'm like two fifty, two sixty. So putting gravel on the bo- underneath this much meat is never going <laughs> to feel good. So 
But yeah, fans pounded the mat afterwards like hard. There was total respect here all around. And as I said, it was a great way to end session one. Um, That leads us into session two of uh, the Jersey Jacob, and we will cover that on the next episode. So that way, like we said, we're going to kind of break these off into to in the Jacob into two sessions, like how it was on sh- on the stream as well, and um, so that way we're not repeating ourselves with the same move over and over and the same things, even though we always do that anyway. <laughs> no, it's okay; it happens. But I loved it. Like just in just for the whole first show, I felt yes, this is something special. I really, honestly did. Like, luckily, I I went right into. I didn't have to wait four hours to go into session two. I went since I watched right. it so late. I went right back into it um, and watched it. I watched most of the session two on the same night, so I still had everything fresh in my memory. But I had, did have to turn the commentary down a little bit because it was so late at night. Um, and I, <laughs> and I kind of hated that because commentary was so good. Like I said, I I cannot praise commentary enough. Everybody that was on commentary did an excellent job of selling the importance of this Jacob, the history of tournaments and independent wrestling just in general, and how much each competitor really it really means to them and it will improve their careers and what they've done to deserve this spot in this tournament. I, I can't give Dave Prezak, Mike, uh, Nick knowledge and beta Scott enough credit. Cause that they were incredible. And like I said, I think me, I learned so much too, but I could just imagine a first time person watching GCW or a second time person or third time that might not know the history and stuff like that. I think every single match, they did a great job of keeping the, watch uh, viewers informed of what is going on in the match and doing great callbacks of what happened previously in the tournament to kind of remind the fans of what to expect and uh, what's going to happen moving forward. Like I, I loved it. And each wrestler so far, everyone, all 20 competitors definitely lived up to their expectations that I had for them. And this was already feeling like a special tournament i was so excited to watch part two and luckily like i said i didn't have to wait no that's good points um i'm gonna go ahead and go behind you here and kind of say the same thing just in a different way everyone stepped up everything seemed to be a little bit better same thing with like i was saying the reds the reds were just a little richer i thought everything just looked a lot better it's always nice to see that gcw has the capacity to perform on a bigger stage and they did that here tonight, and it showed. I would venture to say that this would be the match. This, I'm sorry, this tournament would be the type of tournament you would want to show somebody who likes wrestling. Just wrestling. If there's somebody who likes to see the art of wrestling go down and they haven't seen GCW, and you wanted to show them that GCW does have some fantastic wrestling, this would be probably my best example. It's just like when I want to show someone a GCW show, generally one of the first ones I show them would be the Hammerstein show. It's just a great example of what big time GCW wrestling looks like. Everything's perfect there. And that's what I think is a good example of GCW. Tonight was a great example of how well GCW performers can wrestle. And I think they should be damn proud of it. Yeah, I agree with you. When I will go back and will show people, GCW depends on what they say. If they say deathmatch, then I don't go there. I obviously I go to usually the tournament of survival six. I really like the term revival six six six. But um when I go to like the lucha, I always go to that lucha match at the hammer scene. But now I might have to be switching it to the lucha match at uh the LA, the last show I was at, because that one was a barn burner as well. 
Mm-hmm. All right, that will lead us into our memorable moments for Jersey Cup Session 1. Um, I don't know what more I could say other than, like, it's the, the incredible. I, I was excited. The big the big takeaway uh, is, like I said, I was the, the commentary was awesome, but the action has lived up, and each match has told a great story and has definitely got me more invested into what's going to happen in round two, whether that be how Jordan goes against Charles Mason. I think that's a very interesting matchup. Um, Blake Christian goes against, who did he go against in the second round? I don't think it was speedball. Let me look right I now. I'll that. look it up real quick. Oh, commander. Okay. Commander. So uh, Blake Christian went against Cole Radrick in the second oh, round. Yeah. And then commander and Bailey in the second round, Mason and Oliver, and then Joey Janela and Leo. And once again, there, other than Jordan and Mason, I think like Star or Joey versus Leo's a great story with a lot of history that I took mm-hmm. some good notes on that they uh, they were talking about because that was the first thing I was thinking of too. And Dave Frazek and Nick Knowledge definitely did a great job of calling that out. Um, second round was incredible too, yeah. <laughs> like, I just can't believe this whole turn. They have to be happy. Oh, yeah. I don't think there's Brett could happily. I think this one, that's probably as. Might have caused a lot of headache like Hammerstein did, I think, just for logistically having to kind of run this kind of tournament. Um, Mm -hmm. I think he probably went to better a lot happier after this than he did Hammerstein. Hammerstein was kind of like the the culmination of all this hard work, but I think this was also another like near perfection of what he wants GCW to kind of look like in in like tournament form or anything like that. I think this helped out, especially JCW too, because a lot of fans Mm -hmm. are chanting JCW. Not just GCW yes. too, which I was kind of glad to see. And that's where I kind of was getting confused on is this JCW belt going to be defended on GCW programming or is it really going to stick to JCW? We'll see what the future holds. And I'm very excited to what it can hold based off of uh, this whole tournament, especially after round one. Well, I mean, there is a possibility that Jordan is the champion on that show. It's possible. Okay. Okay, and for my memorable moments, the first thing I wanted to mention, I am freaking exhausted. That is one of the most exhausting shows I've had in a three-minute round. I have in a three-minute or a three-hour show, I have to say. My bracket was barely busted. I was happy about that. I was happy about the fact that the average math match link was around 15 minutes. Shelly and Oliver may have been the best match of the night. In my eyes, I feel it has now that I really had a chance to think about it. Each match was different, and I appreciated that as a fan. The um, the first round of this whole thing was just full. The Blake Price match, Blake was solidifying his heel persona. The Rush Deppen match, all of it. Mason thickening his heel persona with another weird, creepy layer. Commander and Ares living up to the expected hype based on what fans have already seen. This delivered on so many levels. And I'm just really thankful. And I'll just say it again. I really hope everyone involved in that product is very proud of what they've done, because I think years down the road, we're going to be thankful. We have so many young talents on tape doing what they did tonight. Yeah. And you said your bracket was barely busted at this point. You were yeah. spot on. You were. Yeah. A thousand oh, oh, shit. Right yeah. Now. I haven't even. Yeah. So far. So good. Yeah, You were a hundred percent. I think I only hit two out of a, uh... no, I hit one, two. Oh, did I only hit two? I hit commander, so I hit like three. So 
Um, that was fun though. That's another little thing. Maybe yes. we can up uh, when we go over night two to like the brackets of everyone filling out their brackets and then kind of making a comment online or on the commentary about like how other people are doing. It did feel like a little March Madness, and I enjoyed that part of that. Hell yeah! So you ready to send them off the way we always do? Let's send them off. So episode <laughs> forty-seven, Jersey Jacob Part Two. We will be recording that one tomorrow night. Um, so you're going to kind of get these shows back to back. This show is probably yes. coming out on a Thursday. And um, the part two will probably be coming out on Friday before the GCW VXS Las Vegas show. So that is the tentative schedule. And we are actually on schedule for right now. Though uh, we did not cover New South. We will cover New South once we get caught up with Jacob and the the shows in... Um, Friday and Saturday. Uh, yeah, the yep. Friday Vegas show in LA. So after we re- review those shows, there's two weeks in between that, that and uh, the next show. So we are going to cover New South after we get caught up with LA. And then we'll be all caught up and in going into March uh, with a nice GCW podcast schedule. All right, wow. let's send them out of here. Yes, sir. Oh, wait. Long. Long. Oh, <laughs> I was like, wait, are we saying GCW or JCW? But I forgot. Uh, Ooh. <laughs> that's we'll do GCW. Yeah, that's, that's our good. thing. Long live. Long live. G- JCGCW. W. W. W.